This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allows members to request future stories and themes. Thank you for listening. This podcast contains mature content and is intended for an adult audience only. It contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of all stories is fiction with any similarities to real people or events being purely coincidental. This podcast is not intended for anything but entertainment of the listener, and if you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. Endangered Part 4 by LTPC Chapter 05 Michelle Hammond fumed in the back of the van, angry at herself for letting Susan Barris escape, but more at the dead team in Scotland for somehow fucking this all up. She watched the young man sit quietly in his restraints. He exuded a strange air of power and calmness that was a bit disturbing, like this was all part of his plan somehow. Most people broke into hysterics or went into shock when arrested so violently. Now, as Michelle watched his calm body rocking slightly with the movements of the vehicle, she grew more concerned. The images of the UK team's bodies flashed in her mind. His apparent nonchalance disconcerted her. In her experience only the hardened criminals remained so silently stoic, not even bothering to proclaim his innocence or ask where they were going. The ranch kid wasn't old enough to be that hard. She went over her plan again, which had been forced into early action by the unexplained blunder in Scotland. She'd pulled the trigger, deciding not to give Chris and his mother the time to bolt now that they knew someone was onto them, arresting them publicly at JFK almost as soon as they'd stepped off the plane. His mother's escape was another huge setback. She'd somehow disappeared out of the woman's bathroom. They couldn't afford to stick around and start a fruitless search. It would only attract more attention so they'd aborted. Susan would know that he'd been arrested but what she didn't know was that there would never be a record of his arrest in any system. Hopefully, his disappearance would fade into the background and little resources would be devoted to a search after the initial rush to find him proved unsuccessful. Where he was going, no one could find him with either magical or conventional means. His manacles were reinforced titanium and his cell would be a two-inch thick steel box, several levels underground. To ensure secrecy, he would need to be locked away until these beings were revealed to the entire world. Hopefully he might even prove to be a useful source of information. He would be treated firmly but well. Michelle didn't really feel animosity towards the young man himself, but rather towards what he represented. She held his wallet, passport, and smartphone, turning the ordinary-looking device over in her hands. It was even made by a human company, modified magically to only communicate with other-like devices through some sort of encrypted wavelength they couldn't detect. The screen wouldn't even turn on for her. Amazing, what else could these creatures do? She thought. Imagine what the government could do with this kind of technology. Imagine what society as a whole could do with magic. When this got out, it would be both the end of the scientific era and the beginning of a hybrid one, the best magic and science could offer, combined. That is, of course, if humans and beings didn't wipe each other out in the process. Feeling talkative, Michelle decided to try building some rapport with the being. They were going to get to know each other well over the coming months, years even. Christopher, my name is Michelle and I'll be your primary handler. I have a lot of questions for you and you probably have some of your own but they're going to have to wait due to our present company. No offense, boys. None taken, I don't need to know. He's a terrorist. One of the commandos replied. That's what you told them, Chris accused, turning towards her voice from under his hood. Well, I have to put something in the system to requisition these guys. Besides, I think terrorism is the perfect charge. Couldn't you cause mass destruction and terror among the civilian population? Michelle was surprised. He seemed genuinely upset to be called a terrorist. It doesn't mean I would. He would have liked to look at her during the conversation, but it was impossible. The jury's out on that, Christopher, especially after what happened in Scotland. I know who and what you are, keep that in mind. This isn't a mistake. Your mother may have escaped but it won't matter. Chris's curiosity got the better of him. How? How do you know? And do you realize how much danger you're in just by saying that to me? 
there's no way you're a familiar. He tried not to make it sound like a threat, but it kind of came out that way. I do and I'm not, replied Michelle seriously, which should indicate to you that you won't be going anywhere until this entire issue has been resolved. We have mechanisms in place to prevent any means of escape. Chris mauled that over in his mind, something clicked. He really must be dealing with the purely human authorities, and so he considered his next words carefully. There was no way this was a coincidence, she had recognized. Familiar. In the context he had meant. Given what I know about my personal situation, I have to conclude that you have a source, that someone is feeding you information. You don't dash. Michelle started. Let me finish. Chris raised his voice a little behind his hood, a slight echo of his power trailing into it. Michelle shivered and everyone else in the van was still. I know this, and I know that this must be your first or maybe second attempt at capturing one of us. Otherwise, you would have been shut down long ago. You don't know who or what I am. Your complete lack of preparation and containment proves this. Someone told you to collect me. You're clearly intelligent and experienced, but if you had the whole picture, you'd never have taken someone as high profile as myself, given recent events. You don't know what you're doing, Michelle, and therefore, you're being used by someone who does. There was a long pause as Michelle considered his warning. He seemed genuine, which was concerning, but she knew better than to let her subject truly rattle her on their first encounter. It didn't change the plan in the short or long term. Beings would be exposed one way or another and humans would no longer be oblivious. You seem very confident, time will tell. She said. I doubt I'll have much time with you, Michelle, and I doubt even less that you'll remember it. I'm sorry. He sounded genuinely apologetic, and Michelle's countenance turned instantly stormy at his thinly veiled threat. She glared at him in silence. That was one of the worst things, that these beings wielded the terrible power to take memories and alter people's minds. No one should be able to do that. Hours later, Chris could tell they had arrived at their destination. The surface of the road changed, then a little bump, and a downward slope. They were in an enclosed space now, underground by the echo as they unloaded him very carefully and doors were slammed. He was handed off to another team of guards and the tactical team was thanked for their effort before being dismissed. At this stage he went along quietly, chains clicking, as Michelle guided him into what he assumed was an elevator. Sight being one of his weakest senses in his human form, he relied on the sounds and smells around him and discovered that it came quite naturally. Her hand felt hot and tense on his forearm. He could sense from her strong aura that she was concerned but determined. They went up what must have been fifteen or twenty stories before he was put in an artificially quiet room and bolted to the floor and table when he sat on a plastic chair. After a few moments, however, he realized that the room was actually very noisy, his ears picking up whatever they were using as noise cancellation. His dragon enforced his calm, but there was a moment where he almost panicked as someone clipped a steel band around his neck below the hood. It made a little beep as it locked into place. That's a tiny explosive, rigged to detonate if you step outside of the building or if it's tampered with. Don't try anything. Your magic won't work here either. That's a bit harsh. Chris muttered, shuddering from both the feel of the cold metal and the imagined effect a detonation would cause. It's just a precaution. If you don't escape or try to break it, it can't hurt you. He was silent and still long enough that she turned to leave the room and prepare for his initial interrogation. Her claim of his magic not working was a bit more worrying but as he sent his senses out, his dragon detected no traces of such anti-magic anywhere. He wondered how he might test it without drawing attention. A tiny purple flame sprung alive unbidden in the cavity of his mouth. It tickled and warmed his palate without burning. Chris smiled behind his hood after making sure the flame was extinguished. He still had his magic, and his captors were woefully misinformed about their magic dampening capability. Michelle. Chris called, just catching her before she opened the door. When you come back, bring face masks or something to block your sense of smell for whoever questions me. It's just a precaution. Getting her or anyone else dragonstruck would only make things worse, and at this point he was here to figure out what was going on and how much they knew about beings. That was probably more important than escape. The door closed without a reply and even he couldn't hear the conversation that went on outside. The soundproofing was good, as one would expect. What was that about? Nathan asked in the observation room. The peppered man looked up from the screen he'd been leaning over to type on. Everything seemed to be recording smoothly across the board. I don't know, do we do it? And what kind of mask? Michelle was trying to feel confident but this, this teenager kept throwing curveballs at her. 
Something was wrong. Her instincts were ringing every alarm bell she had and she was having trouble quieting them. Damn it, Nathan, did we move too soon on this? We don't even know what he is. The team in the UK got destroyed. He could be powerful. And how did his mother get away? I saw her go into the bathroom myself. Calm down, Michelle. He's trying to fluster you and it seems to be working. I'll go dig up some dust masks and crack open one of the biological kits for a filter mask, too. I can do the questioning if you like. No. No, I got it, but thanks. He gave her a reassuring touch on the shoulder and headed back through the security checkpoint, down the hall to one of the equipment lockups. The NSA had bought this low-rise office building in Harrisburg cheaply, converting it into a server farm with the top floor used as a field station and monitoring outposts with living facilities. Unusual for a building like this, it had two sublevels underneath the car park that had recently been upgraded to house holding cells. It was a discreet, secure location staffed by 20 or so people, the headquarters for field operation of their anti-being task force on the East Coast. Meanwhile, Michelle watched Christopher through the one-way glass and on the screens displaying every angle of the room covered by cameras. Everything their captive did was being recorded in high definition from multiple angles and even infrared dot if his claims weren't enough to unnerve her, the screen indicated that he ran at least a degree warmer than a human should, and she doubted he had a fever. Forcing herself to ignore her uneasiness, she took a deep breath and decided to have some lunch and relieve herself after their long drive. A few hours later after filing a report on the operation so far, having a short catnap, and rehearsing her plan again, she went to find Nathan, ready to start the interrogation. Michelle wasn't particularly hopeful. They tried talking to the captured werewolf but he'd been tight-lipped and she wasn't qualified or willing to torture him. Torture had actually been a recent subject of debate among the task force but it was decided that it set a precedent which would only breed further animosity. Once Nathan was set up behind the one-way window, Michelle entered the room with two bottles of water, some snacks, and the masks. I was beginning to think you would make me consider my situation all day, Michelle. Chris was relieved to get underway. Boredom and his dragon's eagerness to turn the tables on his captors over the last few hours had him feeling safe in his situation for the moment. It was time to extract his own information. Sorry, Christopher, I had to set everything up for this. I brought you some snacks and a drink, though. Just Chris is fine. He said warmly. There was no need to be unfriendly. Well, perhaps there was, she had arrested him at gunpoint. But if anything, that almost endeared her to the dragon, who could admire her courage even if it was misplaced. Thank you, Chris. Now, why do I need a mask and what kind should I use? I hope this isn't some sort of joke. Michelle warned. It's no joke, I'll explain. Could you please take this hood off? Michelle was going to take it off and let him drink soon anyway so she came around the desk and undid the velcro around his neck. Chris blinked for a few seconds and looked up to assess her. Pretty but somewhat plain, Michelle wouldn't jump out at you in a crowd, which given her occupation was a good thing. She wore thin glasses and had her black hair short, around her ears and neck. Her body appeared to be thin and athletic beneath her jeans and black blouse. She was quite tall, probably just below six feet. Her eyes were intent and brown, studying him in return. Chris's eyes dropped to her thin lips, then lower again to the firm smallish breasts before roving the rest of her body. He suspected she had some sort of southern European ancestry, given her olive complexion and thin, tall structure. Perhaps some Italian or Portuguese heritage. Michelle watched as he sized her up, felt his blue eyes on her face and body, watching them wandering. She was used to this kind of assessment from men, both those she worked with and those she worked to catch. She already had time to study his tall, well-built body so with his hood off, she focused on his face. He was blonde, naturally pale but sporting a worker's tan. The eyes roving her had a happy sparkle she wasn't used to seeing across the table. His jaw was well set and he had nice lines to his face, having lost almost all boyishness. With his height and broad shoulders, she thought he looked a little like some sort of wild viking. Yes, he had an air of something. It only backed up her intuition. Something powerful and savage lurked inside this boy, if he could really be called that. I think the cleaning mask should be okay. Although your man in the other room should turn up the extractor fans in here just to be sure. I don't think it would be very practical for you to question me in that. Chris pointed at the gas mask. Michelle looked thankfully back over her shoulder towards the control room as the air pressure changed slightly. Now, here's what I propose. He continued. You obviously work for the government in some capacity, but you're not a familiar. Yet you're in contact with one of us. 
You're probably a small splinter group that's been lead to believe you're helping people. I don't know why but it doesn't matter. You want to know about beings and I want to know how much you know about beings, so here it is. I'll answer your questions honestly if I can, but you need to answer some of mine as well. Also, you drop whatever plans you have for my family while I'm in your custody. Oh, and this is all under the caveat that if I ever get out of here, I'll hunt everyone down and have all this knowledge removed from your memory. Michelle cocked her hat at him. Just who exactly was he to be striking deals? For a moment she was tempted to walk out and let him stew for a few hours, evaporate some of that cockiness. However, the opportunity for recourse between them was too great to pass up. Besides, his threats didn't change anything. He wasn't getting out of their custody anytime soon. What was she supposed to do, reject freely given information? I can agree to that, although I probably won't answer your most important questions. She replied, pulling the dust mask over her nose and mouth, her voice becoming slightly muffled. So why do I need to wear this? Starting with the little things, HM? I like it. Chris chuckled, settling into his seat and opening one of the small packets of peanuts. They were awkward to eat in his restraints, but he could manage if he moved his head down to his hands. He munched a salty mouthful thinking how to best explain. I have pheromones which can make some people very. How do I say this, Amorous? If you got a good enough exposure and already found me attractive, you'd probably throw yourself at me. Michelle snorted in blatant disbelief, but he only smiled wryly before feeding himself some more. It was too far-fetched, even for beings. Although, she had noticed that he did smell nice when she'd been leading him into the facility. She'd automatically assumed it was some scent he wore. Pheromones. Like moths? Like those date-rape perfumes you hear about? Hey, I'm not a rapist, I've got a girlfriend. Well, I guess you could say she's my fiancé. Chris smiled to himself. He couldn't wait to get home and see Annabelle. She proposed to me on the phone last night. Can you believe it? I know I couldn't. I think it's mostly to keep her parents happy, though. We're already going to be together for the rest of her life. Anyway, sorry about getting distracted. My pheromones are a pain in the ass so far. Ruins any chance of regular interactions from what I've seen. Congratulations. I'm sorry to break you two apart, but I'm sure you can understand our position. Now, about your pheromones, how do they work? Do they affect both sexes? Michelle felt a little guilt about breaking the young couple apart, but he was a being. There was every possibility that he'd used his powers to gain her interest in the first place. Especially if he was serious about the pheromones. Oh, I think I'll be reunited soon enough. Chris smiled cockily and watched his interrogator scowl. Well, the way I understand it, the pheromones amplify feelings and attractions. They can embolden a woman to approach me and even make her need me desperately if she really liked me to start with. I don't know if they work on men, I haven't had an opportunity to find out and don't really want to. I'm very new at all this, technically I wasn't even a proper being until about a week ago. There was an enchantment that kept me as a human but it was released. That's how I know you're being set up, only another being would know I even existed, let alone choose me as a kidnapping target. I'm highly valuable you see, an endangered species. If he wasn't lying, Michelle wondered why she hadn't succumbed to his influence. Objectively he was physically attractive, he was young but still very masculine and somehow self-assured. He was a being though, a suspect. Maybe it was just too big a mental block. Well if that's all true, I'll admit I'm a little concerned. I will look into your claims once we're finished for the day, okay? Now will you tell me what kind of being you are? That you don't know, there's no way your source doesn't know who I am, why would they identify me to you if they didn't? This is fucked up. Hey, don't I get to ask a question first? Who do you work for, what branch of the government? I'm a field agent for the NSA. She answered with a sigh as the cogs of her mind whirred. His argument about their information was starting to sound disturbingly logical. She couldn't believe they hadn't considered this possibility fully. They'd been too caught up in unraveling this great secret to stop and consider why they were being let in on it. A real-life intelligence operative? No way. Chris enthused. He'd always been into spy thrillers. Wait. She deadpanned. But it's in no way glamorous. You're hunting down beings. I'd say that's at least a little glamorous. Thrilling, certainly. She only shrugged. Wait, wait. Chris continued. I've been wanting to use this joke for months. What do you think about the next-gen gaming consoles? Oh, we're right on board. She bobbed her eyebrows, sending him into a fit of throaty chuckles. She even found herself joining in briefly before getting back on task. 
He seemed like a nice kid. Perhaps the friendly tact was working. I didn't expect humor from you, Chris. It's nice. To be honest, I didn't expect you to be willing to talk at all. You've raised some valid issues surrounding our intelligence on you, but ultimately you're in our custody. Perhaps you're overconfident. Perhaps you're bluffing. Now out with it, Chris. What species are you? I'm a dragon, Chris has said seriously, reading her brown eyes as they widened in shock before a frown broke out across her forehead and her nostrils flared very slightly. She didn't say anything so he cheekily added a little jib. Am I still being overconfident? No, but how do I know you're telling the truth? Whispered Michelle, standing up suddenly and retreating a few steps towards the door. Are you even secure in those cuffs? These? Chris rattled his chains dramatically. For the moment, I guess. However, I don't think you'd be comfortable with a demonstration of my abilities right now. He downplayed his ability to escape, didn't want her freaking out and shooting him or blowing up his collar just to make sure he wasn't going to get away. Michelle returned to the desk but didn't sit down, instead pacing back and forth behind it. I'm not sure I believe you, Chris, it's quite outlandish. You say there's no way our source wouldn't know who and what you are. Exactly, I was completely unknown until about a week ago. Now I'm apparently the big news of the day. You see dragons are rare. I'm the seventh male alive currently, it's impossible my abduction would go unnoticed. It will spark a manhunt, both from our authorities and people wishing to capture me for their own purposes. Other beings you probably aren't prepared to counter. Michelle didn't want to, but she had to at least consider the consequences if his claims were true. Shit. Nathan, did you get that? Get on the phone and start organizing a new location. We should move him again. Chris's body language and facial expression as they talked raised her hackles. He didn't seem nervous or jittery like she was. He was probably telling the truth or an expert liar. The latter was hard to believe in one so young. In the adjoining room, Nathan called their boss, setting in motion a cascade that would soon have some of the most powerful people around the world huddling in situation rooms. It won't make any difference, Chris said. My bodyguard knows what you look like and has your scent. Once my mother is safe, she'll start tracking me down with the help of a very powerful elf. You don't have a bodyguard. It was only you and your mother on that plane. I'm afraid not. Lillian is a vampire so you can't see her during the day, explained Chris. Oh, can all vampires do this? This was actually a very useful piece of information for them. Very convenient for his story about a bodyguard though. Some. I think it's my turn again. Why did your team attack us in Scotland and how do you have beings working with you? They didn't attack you, they were watching you. Don't try that bullshit with me. You must have figured out they were following you and killed them. Her anger over the incident flowed and Chris reeled back at the obvious disgust on her face. The incongruence confused him for just a moment. Michelle, I'm sorry but they tried to run us off the road. I acted to defend myself as well as Susan and Lillian. Your men shot at us and the two beings had equipment used to kill vampires. They knew about my bodyguard and tried to capture me for whoever they work for, which by the way, isn't you. You killed them. Her tone was icy. Yes. He answered. I wasn't about to let them abduct me. How? It looked like some sort of antipersonnel explosion, but there wasn't any shrapnel. I created a magical explosive. I also snapped the wizard's neck. He replied quietly. The brief flashes of dragon-enraged memory sobered him deeply. She quivered almost unperceptively before regaining her composure. The wizard's neck had indeed been broken. That's your version of events. I'll put my own together as I get a clearer picture over the next few days. I doubt you'll be charged with their deaths given your situation. I don't think we'll release you anytime soon. Michelle's voice was steely but her composure a hair's breadth away from fracturing. What if he was telling the truth? What if the men in Scotland had actually attacked first? Lines of thought zipped through her overactive mind as she watched him for several seconds until a final thought locked into place. He wasn't their captive. He was sitting there with her of his own free will. Feeding her information because he knew it didn't matter. A dragon, cornered in the room with her, woefully underestrained. She didn't know what to do as unease built inside her, so she kept up her questions, starting to feel clammy all over her body. Twice now you've mentioned that people want to capture you. Why is that? Well, I'm a dragon. We have a direct link to the energy of whatever aspect we control. Basically, we have a lot of magical power and other beings want to use us or harvest our energy for their own magic or sustenance. Over the past centuries, we've been hunted to the verge of extinction because of it. Only relatively recently, it became illegal to hunt dragons. 
The survivors are protected and looked after in the hope to rebuild the species. Chris didn't see the harm in explaining things to her. It was unfortunate, but her fate was sealed as soon as she knew beings existed. Shit. Michelle murmured while cursing internally. They were humped if that was true. They didn't even know anything about dragons other than that Radek had placed them right near the top with the other rare and powerful creatures. So what class are you then? Four, three, two, one. He said with a smile and an apologetic shrug. It all made sense now. His over-easy arrest, his calm confidence. He'd let himself be captured and was just playing with her now. Radek. She muttered hatefully, accepting that the wizard must have known who and what Chris was. There was little point fighting now. Her memories would be taken if she wasn't outright killed. So why haven't you killed me yet, Chris? Chris saw defeat in her eyes, so haughty and piercing barely minutes ago. Finally accepting that she'd been manipulated into this situation, she flopped back into the cheap lawn chair opposite the dragon. Don't give up so easily, Michelle. I don't want to kill you or anyone else. I admit you'll need to get your memory erased but I wouldn't kill you outside of self-defense. Besides, I'll need your help to stop whoever started this nonsense in the first place and make sure we track down all traces of our existence. Is that who Radek is? Your source? Yes. Michelle confirmed before railing at her weakness. You might be right. Perhaps we were manipulated into this confrontation, but whatever you do to me, you can't stop it now. Her eyes flashed angrily towards him as her back straightened and her pointed finder impacted the plastic table in frustration. What gives you the right to keep such a huge secret? Don't you care that you treat humans like cattle? His cuffed hands opened, turning automatically towards her in a gesture of supplication. Of course I care. I'm not exactly happy about the way some beings treat humans. But that's the way it's been for millennia. Do you really think we could coexist peacefully? It's been kept a secret for a reason. What would happen if the military found out about us? Chris tried to reason. Surely she could understand that the majority of humans would take affront to their very existence. However, a triumphant twinkle in her eyes gave him pause, and he suddenly felt his own sense of fear and unease. You told them? Chris was incredulous. Like I said, you can't stop it now. We have safeguards. She savored the shock on his face, the way he instantly deflated, more like she was used to seeing people across the table from her. Oh my god, those men I killed were actually British agents. You told other countries? Chris couldn't believe his own spoken thoughts. How the fuck had it gotten this far? He didn't even know what the being response would be, what the synod would do, but it couldn't be good. Not so confident now. Michelle gloated in her little victory. It's going to come out no matter what you do to me. It won't make a difference in the long run. I'm not going to do anything to you, Michelle. Jesus, what kind of secret agency are you? Do you even? How many people know about us? Damn it, who else did you tell? Are you trying to start a war? It doesn't have to end like that. We've talked about peaceful resolutions. We have a right to know, Chris. Michelle reasoned, seeing how distressed he was at the thought of a global revelation, beginning to struggle against his restraints. It was true. Ultimately, a peaceful coexistence was the only option which wouldn't result in massive loss of life on both sides. Beings had apparently been entrenched in humanity's existence for millennia. They couldn't just be picked off like fleas, though some would no doubt think that they could. The leaders of the informed countries realized this but agreed the secret couldn't be allowed to remain. It was just too big. How else do you think it will end, huh? Chris said. How are you going to get all the countries in the world to agree to peace, let alone all the beings? There would be panic and chaos everywhere. People would kill their own neighbors for sleeping in too late in case they were a vampire. He needed to leave. He had to get out of here right now and warn someone. The time for discretion was past. How had the humans even managed to raise this much awareness? Was the synod that ineffectual? Michelle was about to respond when a klaxon started blaring throughout the building. We're under attack. The elevator guards are down, and they're coming up the stairs. Nathan's voice sounded through the intercom. Around the building, prayers were murmured and guns were drawn. Michelle stood, surprised at her calmness, perhaps resignation. She walked around the desk to Chris, who reared away as much as his chains would allow. Hold still, I'm taking the collar off. There's no point in you getting your head blown off. Your people move quickly, I guess what you said about being important was true. Chris held still, hoping she wasn't about to blow them both up. They paused as the collar come off with another little beep, and the second afterwards they barely heard a muffled scream followed by gunshots. I guess they're not interested in rehabilitation. 
Well, it was certainly interesting to meet you, Chris. She started for the door. Where are you going? Chris asked, confused. She was headed into the pointless fight. If it's all the same to you, I'll go down fighting rather than let someone rummage around in my head. It's not, he replied. His rapid transformation already starting. Michelle watched in awe as purple spread quickly across his skin, back bulging under his shirt until huge wings burst outwards. His nose flattened, and his face became slightly leaner as the deep, regal color spread up across his hair. He opened his eyes and she saw his reptilian, vertical pupils, absolutely black but rimmed with a thin edge of gold, transitioning into the lighter, slightly mottled purple of the rest of his visible eyeball. It was a shocking demonstration of just how inhuman he really was. A real-life dragon. The battle raging throughout the rest of the building was momentarily forgotten as a searing light in his hands burned through his restraints and forced her to look away, shielding her eyes with her forearm. When she lowered her arm, he was towering over her, barely a foot away. I'm not going to let you commit suicide out there. How did, don't try to stop me. Michelle turned and took a powerful step towards the door before a huge, to lone hand gripped her arm. With an angry hiss she spun and delivered her best punch right into his gut. He made only a little huff as her fist collided with a very hard, toned front. Put off by his indifference, she made to hit him again, but he wrapped his steely arms around her much smaller frame. In seconds he had her back pressed to his chest with her arms pinned up at her breasts. She tried to headbutt his nose but just hit his shoulder. Get the fuck off me! She screamed in frustration, struggling helplessly in his inhumanly strong grip, lashing out with her legs, her glasses clattering to the floor. Calm down, Michelle, I'm not going to hurt you. His deep voice rang powerfully in her ear. She stopped struggling for a moment, panting through her face mask which was partially dislodged but still smothering and uncomfortable. And why not? asked a smug male voice as the door opened. It would be perfect. I expected you break your chains almost immediately but you took too long. I just couldn't wait. Chris and Michelle looked up simultaneously, instantly stilling their tussle as the newcomer entered the room. The dragon tensed, squeezing the agent tightly to his chest as he sensed the powerful being. His presence was dark, full of writhing motion and hatred. It almost gave Chris a sense of nausea but he had no idea who or what the short, graying, middle-aged man in the cheap suit was. Who are you? Chris snarled, his fangs flashing as his dragon prepared for a hard fight. This being wasn't part of a rescue team. His stature was unthreatening but everything about him felt wrong and evil to his dragon senses. He even smelled off, a cloying, dank sweetness that brought images of creeping mold into Chris's mind. There was also the scent of fresh blood seeping into the air from the control room. Oh, my manners! He tittered with a dramatic flourish of his hands. I'm Radek, I coordinated our little gathering. It's nice to meet you, Christopher, you are indeed magnificent. Radek! You set this up, you piece of shit! Michelle's shock had worn off and she screamed her betrayal at him wriggling again to get free of the dragon. Yes, Radek said gleefully. And what a setup it is. You capture this wonderful specimen for me, my minions tear your men to shreds, and the humans think he's responsible. Meanwhile, I harvest the essence of a powerful dragon, an excellent conduit, and dump his mangled corpse somewhere for the synod to find. Before you know it, humans and beings will be at each other's throats. I'll admit, it wasn't all according to the plan, but let it never be said that I don't take advantage of a situation when, nice monologue. Chris smiled toothily. Shifting instantly into the ether, he dragged Michelle forcefully with him as he faded. Roddick let out a furious, inhuman shriek and loosed a ball of dark red, pulsing energy towards them with a lunge. It was too late. Michelle's body shuddered as she entered the ether, and Chris felt his dragon somehow extending around her, shielding her from the drain which would have killed her in seconds otherwise. Already he was running, picking her up under the knees as they phased straight through ghostly walls and furniture in the dim light. He had to put some effort into breaking the resistance, but it was next to nothing in his adrenaline fueled state. Michelle couldn't make a sound. She wrapped her arms up around his neck and turned to watch them pass through concrete, wood, and steel in disbelief. Each new obstacle made her wince her eyes shut, expecting an impact, before feeling only subtle pressure, as his jarring footfalls propelled them right through. She couldn't begin to comprehend the dark, shadowy, purple and gray realm of the ether. Her mind had been shocked into passive observation as they brushed through the external wall, and out into open space. They only plummeted briefly before she felt the tug of gravity in her stomach. 
It seemed odd that gravity should still exist when she just watched them run through solid walls. They weren't falling anymore though, the colorless street passing quickly below them. Michelle looked up across his fluttering shirt, his skin glowed faintly and his muscles heaved as his wings beat powerfully. Neither Chris nor his dragon felt any sense of shame about running. They'd outmaneuvered Radek as he got caught up in his victory. Besides, he was obviously powerful, unknown, and had an intricate plan in motion. By the sounds of it, he'd wanted to start a war between humans and beings. Now the only real proof that Chris hadn't slaughtered everyone in the building was gripped tightly in his arms as they flew out across the city. Flying. He was flying. New muscles worked on instinct to propel him above the streets, cars, and people below. He took a few seconds to revel in the amazing feeling before he brought his mind figuratively back down to earth, promising himself to take Annabelle flying with him in the future. The dragon didn't sense any pursuers, they'd escaped. Now Chris realized that his next priority was to get back to safety and warn everyone. Rayla would know what to do but she was so far away and he had no idea how to find any local being authority. A an idea popped into his mind, one he'd only thought about last night as he and Susan had talked about finding somewhere to live. Was it even possible? The fact that Michelle was in the ether and still alive, it shocked into a stupor, indicated that it was. Dot calling on his dragon, Chris pulled energy from the aspect around him, his vision distorting and shimmering as the ether rippled and he gathered as much as he thought he could safely hold. The power writhed across his skin after a few moments, building and building. He felt his ears equalizing as pressure build, so much so that he had trouble maintaining his flapping wings and began gliding downwards, devoting his mind to his intended destination. Having an image of Rayla's courtroom in his mind's eye, he pictured himself standing there, holding Michelle in his arms. He released the magic all at once, felt it crashing up his nerves towards the image in his brain, setting his body on fire briefly before suddenly, there was nothing that he ceased to exist. Radek cursed as he felt the dragon's presence suddenly vanish with a pop. He wasn't stupid enough to follow the lad into his own aspect in his current, weakened state. He'd underestimated the young dragon for the last time, first with the team he'd sent to capture him in Scotland, and again by gloating when he should have been killing. It was in his nature though, to scheme, plot, and sow discord. His guilty pleasure was to enjoy his victim's distress. Unfortunately it sometimes must his plans. Perhaps he should have given the humans real magic dampening charms instead of artistic, worthless trinkets. No matter. He sighed to himself, straightening his ruffled suit and stepping back into the observation room over the dead body of one of the humans. The building was quiet now, his minions having completed their gruesome job perfectly. The dragon didn't even matter really, a small sideshow of his own greediness. A patsy of opportunity who might have been a very tasty morsel. There were others who could fill his shoes. It was time to stir up human outrage and watch the world fall into chaos. In a few short months, the universe would align for him to complete his mission. With luck, any beings with half a chance of stopping him would be dead or in hiding by then. He would come back for the dragon though. Perhaps it would be more fun this way. Yes, his escape would only make the hunting more enjoyable, the taste of his soul more delectable. Reaching into his pocket, Radek fished out a flash drive and plugged it into the machine in the observation room. Humans had truly come so far in the past century, he marveled at their technology, beginning to rival the power of magic. It was perfect. He copied what he needed, wiped everything else. Placing his hand on the computer, he sent a bolt of corruption through the network. The humans would never know what really happened here, but assume their plot had been discovered by vengeful beings. Soon enough they would strike first, fearing losing the initiative. They would hit hard, with as much power as they could to throw the beings into disarray. At least that was the plan his plan. He always had a plan. Chris felt a few seconds of disconcerting, bodiless nothingness as they sped through the ether at nigh unimaginable speeds. Their trip didn't end as smoothly as he'd envisioned. Instead of standing in the courtroom, he found himself rocketing into the norm up near the ceiling, real air buffeting his wings. There was a scream from below as he plunged uncontrollably across the huge chamber. Streaking low across the rows of seats, he quickly realized he was going to crash. With a final flap, he twisted onto his back in midair, Folding his wings in and tucking his chin down into Michelle's chest, he hurtled onto the marble floor with a crunch and skidded along his reinforced, scaly spine. Narrowly avoiding a pew dot he ended up bowling into the small group of startled beings at the center of the room. Knocking them flying like so many pins, their legs slowing him a little until he came to an abrupt stop against the bottom step of Rayla's throne's altar. 
The back of his head hit the step and he was knocked out instantly. Michelle, dazed but ultimately unhurt, heard the commotion around her, shouting and cursing as people picked themselves back up or moved to see if the dragon was okay. She didn't have her glasses, and panicked slightly. She could still see okayish at short distances, but she had deep fears about being lost, trapped, or attacked without her glasses while she couldn't see well. First to reach the scene was a huge, very angry woman. Michelle was unceremoniously dragged up by the scruff of her neck, the taller, voluptuous beauty sneering viciously as her black, knife-like claws dug into Michelle's soft skin and held her in place. Stoically, Michelle only let out a tiny, involuntary whimper. This is the human who arrested him. Lillian spat, her fangs flashing dangerously as blood trickled down and began seeping into Michelle's t-shirt. Really? Rayla asked, still disbelieving. She'd found Lillian's account of events astonishing. Annabelle meanwhile rushed over and didn't stop shaking the dragon until he responded several seconds later with a groan and a weak push to make her stop. Unperturbed, she flung her arms around him, draping herself across his chest. Babe, I was so worried. She cried directly in his ear. It's okay, D. I'll be fine. Chris managed, lifting his hands to wrap up around her lower back and hug her. I miss you. He kissed the side of her head, taking a deep breath of her comforting, familiar smell. What happened? Susan asked from behind them. How did you get here? Chris pushed them up into a sitting position, almost losing consciousness again to the sense of vertigo. Reaching around to feel the painful bump at the back of his head, he was just happy he hadn't busted his skull wide open. He felt very dizzy and his vis. He teleported. Rayla answered for him, impressed that he'd managed to pull it off without any training. He could certainly be forgiven his hard arrival. Rayla. Chris twisted to look up at the drow. Do you have some way to contact the Synod? I need to talk to them right now. Why, Chris? We need to figure out where you were and organize with the local beings to get this mess cleaned up. We have to protect the secret. The secret is done, Rayla, it's gone. He collapsed back onto the floor and stared up at the ceiling as his words sunk into everyone present. The next minutes were a confused bustle as Rayla made phone calls and ordered an emergency teleconference between the 13 Synod members and whichever territorial leaders could be contacted on such short notice. There was an atmosphere of shock disbelief among Rayla's staff as Tosh and several others battled to set up large screens and the cameras which would transmit via Imaginet. Most others hovered, lending a hand if they could but waiting to hear the dragon's full story. Susan and Annabelle fussed over Chris, sneaking reassuring, tender kisses with the groggy dragon while he was too befuddled and sore to resist them. However, he was quickly regaining his strength and soon noticed the absence of his human witness. Don't get up, Chris, that was a nasty knock on the head. Susan protested as he made to stand. I'll be fine, Mom, where's Michelle? Who? Michelle was easy to spot once he was up, wincing as Lillian held her immobile by the neck, a threat of death if she attempted to move. Jesus, Lillian, let her go. She's bleeding. Chris started over towards her, quickly closing the gap and becoming angry as he saw how large the stain on Michelle's black shirt had spread. Lillian didn't move, she was furious. This was the human who'd arrested him. She was probably involved in the attack in Scotland as well. Deep inside, so deep Lillian didn't recognize it consciously. Her vampire rage that she and Chris had been separated, his supposedly hated scent no longer teasing her nostrils. She would take her revenge on this woman for stealing what was hers. Lillian's irises were dark and her eyes heavily shadowed. Her bountiful chest rose and fell heavily with excitement, breaths she didn't really need to take while her fangs extended down into her plush bottom lip. Chris could tell he was dealing with the vampire, not the woman, as likely to kill Michelle as to release her. Her black clawed finger suddenly twitched on Michelle's neck and Chris's purple hand blurred around Lillian's milky throat. I said release her. Bellowed the dragon in her face, his talons curling into such a vice-like grip that the vampire was forced to check herself. Fine. She hissed, dropping the human abruptly and wrenching herself from his grasp, tearing her skin on his talons on purpose. Michelle would have fallen to the floor but Chris's hand was already there to steady her as the vampire sped off. Lillian slunk to her favorite lurking spot, the shadows behind the third column along the west side of the hall. She was very confused, felt betrayed he treated her like that when she was only seeking revenge on his behalf. Yet at the same time, the brutal strength she'd felt and the sting of shallow, healing wounds on her neck spoke to the most base, violent parts of her nature, the parts she herself disliked the most. 
As she calmed, Lillian grasped just how close to the edge she'd been since that morning at the airport when he'd been hauled off. It scared her how much influence he already seemed to have over her. Sorry about that, Michelle. Chris apologized. Let me see your neck. Ouch. That was my bodyguard, Lillian. You'll have to forgive her. I think she must be quite upset you arrested me. Michelle's neck was throbbing and bruised, still trickling blood from the five claw marks. Tough shit. She croaked, muscles aching as she spoke. What's your plan now anyway? Going to gloat that you were right? Maybe later, first I'm going to heal you. Chris leaned in and had his tongue on her neck before she could protest. She struggled against his arm cradling her in such an intimate pose for a moment, but ended up letting out a little moan as his saliva cooled and healed her skin. She actually offered the other side of her throat to him of her own accord, reaching up to feel the unmarred skin on the side where he just finished. Her blood was fresh and clean, and his dragon definitely enjoyed her taste and smell as he finished up. It kind of disturbed Chris. He hadn't really thought about it, but now he'd lapped up a stranger's blood and found it quite tasty. Michelle didn't care how strange or intimate it might seem anymore. The relief was exquisite, and she marveled at her own first-hand experience with magic. You healed me? Just like that? What else can you do? How did we get here? We went right through walls. Where are we? It all flooded out as he pulled away and held her by the shoulders. We were in a place called the Ether. I'll explain it later, but now we're in Denver. Chris was relieved she was okay, that she seemed to be recovering, and wasn't too shaken from her run in with Lillian. He'd been acting on instinct when they jaunted through the Ether, only guessing and hoping that she would survive the experience with his help. All right, come over here and meet my mother. Try not to arrest her this time. Susan, Annabelle, this is Michelle. She works for the NSA. Hello? Annabelle said, making it sound quite unfriendly. Watching him nuzzle her neck hadn't exactly ingratiated Michelle to her, that, and the way he still had a hand on her back. Hello, Michelle. Susan said more warmly. I'm not his biological mother, by the way. I'm a witch, not a dragon. Good thinking, Chris. But she could take that mask off. I'll make more neutralizing potion if I have to. Susan couldn't help but grin. It wouldn't be a chore at all. Yes, hello. It's nice to, ah, uh, meet you in person. Michelle awkwardly removed the crumpled, slightly bloody dust mask and inhaled cool, fresh air again. Finally. What happened, Chris? Annabelle asked. Why did you bring her here? Well, Chris started, taking Annabelle's hand in a warm grip. I'm not exactly sure, but it seems someone has tried to start a war between beings and humans using me as some sort of fall guy. Human governments know about beings, D. There are a lot of bodies back where we just came from. Michelle is the only person who can tell the right people that it wasn't us, that we don't want to fight. A fight may be inevitable at this point, dragon. Rayla spoke up, moving her piercing gaze towards the new woman, intimidating her. Do not attempt to resist our questioning, human. You've managed to kick a hornet's nest far greater in scope than your precious governments can comprehend. The Synod will use any means necessary to extract what we need from you. A chill crept up Michelle's spine as she tried to hold the impossibly beautiful dark elf's gaze. There was ancient wisdom in those haughty gray eyes. Something else too, cruelty, and the cold scaring of one who performed untold unspeakable acts, and would gladly perform them again. She recognized that look, she couldn't hold the contact. The dragon's warm, reassuring hand felt the shiver run up her back and dispelled it with a few gentle strokes as his enemy of barely a few hours ago looked up at him for support. I won't let anything happen to you, Michelle, this isn't your fault. But you do need to tell us everything you know. We have to steer this away from total chaos, and you're the only one who can help me do that. The Synod, thirteen members representing the wisdom and knowledge of most of the being races, were not impressed with Chris's story. First they tried to blame him for revealing himself under Michelle's questioning, stating it was irrelevant that she already knew about the existence of beings. John Guthrie was the only friendly face, although he was very businesslike given the situation. Eventually they grasped the idea that this character named Radek had been coaching the U.S. government through the NSA, revealing enough for them to start following and abducting beings, amassing a decent amount of information and letting the military as well as other countries in on the secret. It was then that the questions got serious and the talks of damage control started. Michelle watched, seeing that they were mostly no different from her own leaders, scared and confused when confronted with such a huge affront to their way of life. She believed now that Roddick must have planned a confrontation from the start, that he had informed the NSA just enough to make them leap into action, but at the same time, 
taint their view of beings towards their worst aspects. They questioned Chris thoroughly about everything that had happened, especially his confrontation with Roddick, whom it was agreed must never have sworn the oath to protect the secret. If he had, such a huge breach would have been felt through the enchantment, and they would have stopped him. That left the question of who and what he was unanswered, but it seemed to Michelle's expert eye that some of the synod members were suspiciously tight-lipped on the subject. Soon enough, they plunked Michelle in a stool and shoved a camera in her face to begin questioning her. She couldn't help but notice the irony of her situation. Stubborn non-cooperation would be counterproductive and ultimately futile, but she was unwilling to give them everything. Please, Michelle, tell them the whole thing. We need to figure this out before it gets any more out of control. Chris pleaded. I can understand that, Chris, it's obvious after what Roddick said, but I won't offer up names when I have no guarantee what's going to happen to them. I could be signing their death sentences. She turned back to the synod before continuing. Our main allies around the world know about you, and we've figured out where most of your territorial hubs are. The military has already implemented contingencies in case you attack, although I honestly don't know what they involve. What do you hope to gain? What do the humans want from us? Asked the tiny woman with large dragonfly-like wings. We want the truth. Michelle stated. Your secret is too huge to deny any longer. From what I've heard, we don't want a war, but we won't back down from a global revelation. You've mistreated humans horrifically for millennia and now that we know, it can't continue. Thankfully our leaders have recognized that it's outside of their capabilities to wipe you all out systematically without suffering horrific losses in return. How long ago did this Roddick contact you? How long have you known? The fairy continued. I've known for six months. Most people involved have known for just over four. There was uproar amongst the synod and assembled beings. What? Michelle asked, turning to Chris, who could only shrug apologetically. Memory alteration or removal becomes increasingly difficult as time progresses. Susan came to the rescue. As the memory becomes ingrained and reinforced with more thoughts, it's dangerous to change them. There would almost certainly be irreparable damage from removing memories over four months old. So you can't do it? You can't just wipe everyone's memory? It might be kinder to simply kill them. Rayla drawled. It seemed the idea was on her mind as well as several of the synods. I won't let Dash. This has gone on long enough. Interrupted a haughty, blonde elf suddenly. He'd previously had the appearance of paying little attention to the goings-on. How can we determine how to proceed if this human is holding back vital information? Lady Narlakis, enter her mind and take everything. She needs to have her memories erased or be killed eventually. No. Please, Chris. Don't let them. Michelle's dread infested her voice as she reached for the dragon's hand, clinging to it. Although she might have liked to present a stronger face to the synod, she would rather die than have her mind destroyed. No one's touching her mind. Chris growled back at the computer screens, surprising himself with the dragon's anger. She's the only one who can convince the humans I didn't slaughter all the people back in Harrisburg while I was captive. The only one who can convince them Radak isn't their friend. What do you think they'll do when they find all those bodies? They'll assume we know, and think we're going to attack. She dies or her memories are erased, that's the law. Sneered the elf. Either way, we need whatever secrets are locked in her little head. It's not going to matter once everyone involved with this incident has theirs wiped as well. A murmur of agreement went around several of the faces on the screens. John Guthrie shrugged apologetically to Chris, but there might have been a knowing twinkle in his eye. Are you people stupid? Chris asked, shocking pretty much everyone with his disrespect. You can't wipe the memories of military and government officials around the world, especially if it's as difficult as you say after so much time. Do you think that will go unnoticed? You can't simply kill them either, and you don't know who else they've told by now. Listen, boy Dash, you listen. What about the safeguards Michelle told you about? For all you know they have missiles targeted for every territory hub in the world or evidence set to leak onto the internet if these people suddenly forget all about beings. What about Roddick? What's to stop him from telling them we're about to launch a global attack? He clearly wants a confrontation between us, he said so himself. Don't you see? He's set it up so that we can't just make this all disappear. You're all worried about maintaining the secret, but this woman is our best chance at stopping outright war. When he finished his rant there was silence for several moments, as he glared at the obtuse elf. There is another way. John Guthrie spoke, after an appropriately somber moment of acting as if was considering all the options. The young dragon had probably just made some lifelong enemies, but damn, 
had he put the synod in their place. It would satisfy our laws and allow her to keep her life and memories intact so long as she agreed to take a true syrup and answer our questions. Then she could try to calm the situation with the humans but still be under oath not to reveal the secret, if that even applies. How? asked Chris. Why, if she agrees to become your familiar, of course. Hunt. Rayla grunted, shaking her head in resignation and sending her jeweled, alabaster ponytail into disarray. Dragons? Ten minutes later, Chris murmured the last of his vows, reaching out to envelope her sad, barely willing presence in whatever comfort he could offer. Human, I accept you, place you under my protection. I share the secret and mark you as one of us. Serve me well. Neither of them were enthused about it, an arrangement of necessity rather than out of any desire to be tied together for the rest of their lives. Still, Chris tried to give her a little of himself. It was nothing like the experience with Annabelle. His heart wasn't in it. Perhaps she might have better luck or protection, something. At the least he should be able to feel where she was and sense if she was in danger. At the last minute, he put his hand over her shoulder and saved her the pain of the tattoo needle, putting his registration number on her in magic, purple digits. The dragon continued to surprise him with these displays of magic, despite their lack of training. He didn't know how he did these things. Probably couldn't repeat them if he tried to. They just happened when he felt strongly about something. Michelle wept quietly at the loss of her freedom. She knew it wasn't his fault and could feel him trying to comfort her somehow. Ultimately, when faced with the option of servitude or the rape of her mind and death, she'd chosen servitude. Besides, she could tell Chris wasn't the kind of person who would take advantage of her situation. She couldn't blame him for this or the men he'd killed in Scotland. Everything fell on Roddick's head in her numbed mind. So, as he held her gently in his purple arms, she'd repeated her part of the ceremony after the Midnight Elf. Being I give myself freely to you, bind myself to you. I vow to serve, place you above all others, and uphold the secret. I'm yours. Their situations had reversed was so rapidly. He was now her protector, her lifeline in the very world she'd been fighting against. She could feel the little tingle of magic on her shoulder. It was strange, her head cradled against his chest, their connection locked into place, her body clicking somehow as he gave her his small safeguard. When they broke their embrace, they stared into each other's eyes for a moment before Michelle had to get up and walk away, overwhelmed by what she just agreed to. She was bound to a dragon for the rest of her life. Annabelle followed, catching up and stopping her. They slumped into a nearby pew, the otherworldly lights hovering uncaringly above. Michelle held her head in her hands as Annabelle stroked her back, all unfriendly thoughts erased from her mind as she'd helplessly watched the woman be forced into her current position. It's not so bad. Annabelle murmured. There's no one better you could be bonded to. You might even come to enjoy this world eventually. I know I love it already, even if it does have ugly parts. Annabelle couldn't help but glance over at the large screen showing the synod, still arguing about the best course of action. What am I supposed to do now? Michelle whispered. My whole life I've... They just... It wasn't even a real choice. I know, I'm sorry. Annabelle consoled. But you seem like the kind of woman who wouldn't let that stop you. I know Chris will help you make whatever life you want for yourself, but first you've got to help set things straight. As the younger woman's words sunk in, Michelle looked up towards the crowd, searching for him. He was easy to spot, facing away from her as he talked with his mother. His huge stature alone would have been enough if the clawed thumbs, the high points of his purple leathery wings didn't stand out a full foot above his head. As if sensing her gaze, he turned his attention and gave Michelle a nod and a wry smile. You're right, Annabelle. Michelle lowered her head from view and smiled weakly. I don't even know you, but thanks. I can probably do a lot of good on this end. They sat in consolatory silence until Chris came and got them several minutes later. The synod was fed up with waiting. He led Michelle back to the interrogation chair whilst Rayla produced a small vial of bubbling, orange syrup. Michelle sniffed it. If she didn't know better she might think it was simply Fanta. Promise me, Chris, you won't let them hurt anyone I name. You know I can't guarantee that, Michelle, but I'll try. After today, I'm sure you'll be involved in sorting this out anyway. You can help make sure they stay safe. She gave him a very searching look before downing the little potion in one swallow. It was surprisingly viscous. She could feel it tingle her throat, instantly understanding that she would be uninhibited, speaking the truth with little control over if she answered or not. Her lucidity faded rapidly and, in a few moments, she felt absolutely drunk, 
Michelle fought desperately but felt her mind enter some sort of detached state. She looked at the concerned dragon kneeling next to her, letting out a tiny, drunken giggle at his appearance despite resisting the urge for all she was worth. It was a terrible sensation, but she watched her giggle transform into manic laughter until Chris steadied her with a gentle hand. The synod grilled her for about half an hour. She gave up everything. The president and his key advisors, the joint chiefs, the heads and deputies of the other security agencies. Everyone in her own agency who knew of the secret as well as those she thought might know in Australia, France, and the UK. She told them every being they knew of and every place she knew they frequented, the synod becoming more agitated with each new answer to their questions. They really didn't like it when she started naming the hub cities around the globe. Occasionally, a heated argument between the beings would give her a much-needed break. Intoxicated, her attention was drawn to her. Master, whom she studied woozily, his huge stature, his multicolor skin, and his reptilian features. He even had claws and wings. He looked very enticing to her uninhibited mind. At one point she reached out to touch his delightfully smooth, tiny scales but almost fell off her stool, her balance completely failing her. You're pretty drunk, huh? Chris said as he caught her and propped her back up on her chair. You're pretty pretty. She hiccuped without even meaning to. Her detached, conscious persona screamed embarrassment, but it didn't stop her lips moving. Pretty? The dragon asked, swiveling very quickly to look at her. He had a smile on his face which revealed very sharp, interlocked teeth and his canine fangs, suddenly highlighting how dangerous and inhuman he was. Yeah, pretty scary too. She continued quietly. Her inquisitive hand snuck upward to brush his thin lips but he caught it short and guided it back down to her thigh. It will be over soon, Michelle. He patted her arm, keeping his hand there to steady her wobbling. This potion was truly an absolute violation. He hadn't considered how much everyone relied on inhibition to keep themselves in check. The questions resumed soon enough and now they asked about any revealing evidence the governments might have. She slurred her way through an explanation of the video of the werewolf transformation. There were also hours of surveillance footage they'd taken while observing beings but it probably didn't have anything incriminating on it. When asked about the fail-safes she'd mentioned earlier, she vehemently proclaimed. I don't know. Chris watched the synod's faces darken even further. They'd obviously been hedging that Michelle would reveal the humans' plans under the influence of the truth syrup. The humans had been careful to limit the distribution of this information for this very reason that she'd already told them everything she knew about Roddick. That bastard deserved to rot in hell for what he'd done and what she was now being put through because of it. As they continued to question her about him, though, her anger overflowed into loud cursing and some rather vigorous gesticulation. She couldn't stop herself, her throat becoming hoarse as she shouted out every insult she could think of at him. Motherfucking shit-faced old fuck asshole. The assembled beings looked a bit taken aback at her outburst as Chris tried to soothe her. Easy, Michelle, calm down. Look at me. Look at me. He ended up trapping her arms against her sides with a bruising grip, forcing her to stop and look at him. She eventually stopped struggling, tears streaming down her cheeks as she finally focused on him. He released his hold and stroked softly up and down her arms. I'm so sorry, Michelle. Her tears overflowed again, and she flung herself forward into his comforting arms, his cozy scent. Chris rubbed her shaking back. He knew this was necessary for the synod to be satisfied, but it had gone on long enough. Usually Michelle would have beat the shit out of anyone who dared to touch her like he was, but as she cried herself out, it strangely didn't feel wrong. It had been so long since someone expressed care about her well-being. In her delirious state, it felt good. Her mind started to focus more on that feeling, forgetting about Roddick altogether. She calmed rapidly after that, staring unfocused and blurry between his wings as she automatically snuggled into his neck. That's enough. She heard him state firmly. You don't decide that. Came the high-pitched voice of the fairy. She's distraught and she's told you everything she knows. You haven't managed to uncover any suggestion that she's trying to mislead you and perhaps most importantly, she's my familiar. It's enough. There was silence as the synod considered whether or not to push the issue further. They were the ultimate authority among beings, but a being had sovereignty over his own familiar. Precedence would be broken if they overrode that dot and oh one spoke up, so Rayla handed Chris the antidote with an amused smile that he quickly guided the vial to Michelle's lips, a sour mixture which had her head clearing slowly as she listened to the synod resume their bickering about what to do. 
The only thing we can do is try wiping the slate clean, eradicating the memory of everyone who might know, damage to their minds be damned. Spoke the blonde elf from before. Chris took note of the man as someone to watch out for. Snake, his dragon murmured hatefully. Chris had to agree. He seemed particularly callous. How far removed from any aspect of humanity he must be to consider their lives so valueless. It's too late for that, Aramir. Said a pale man with a thick, European accent from behind a dark cowl. Even if we had enough psychers to attempt simultaneous wipes worldwide. Someone would slip through the cracks even if the damage we caused miraculously went unnoticed. You elves have too much faith in your magics. Several others agreed, and thankfully, calmer heads prevailed, reasoning that such a blatant pattern would only arouse further suspicion and wouldn't stop any fail-safes from triggering. A few talked about global preparedness to strike, spells to knock out satellites, aircraft navigation, and communications networks worldwide. That won't help either, Michelle said as she found her voice. They'll know exactly why it's happening, except the countries that don't will assume they're under attack. You'll have a global nuclear standoff until someone explains what's going on. Please consider revealing yourselves peacefully. You could come up with a treaty, name almost any terms you wanted. You humans truly wish our existence to be common knowledge? How do you expect us to live side by side? Asked the venerable wizard. It won't be easy, sure, but it will be far better than war. Chris said. It was a scary thought, but he could already begin to see the advantages of a peaceful revelation, given the alternative. It would be the opposite of what Radek has worked to achieve. Added Michelle. Her suggestion was met with mixed reaction, and the heated debate started again. Finally John Guthrie, previously not very vocal, spoke up after a particularly pointless argument about more memory removal. People, our path is straightforward and clear, in my mind at least. The breach is too large to stop her. Humans in places of power have been aware of us for months. They cannot be wiped nor removed without committing an act of war in the eyes of the humans, who have unknown mechanisms in place to counter this very kind of action. Our only option, outside of starting a war which would likely destroy this planet, is to meet with these humans and prepare to reveal the secret on our terms. We all knew this was a possibility and to be honest, it's a miracle they hadn't already found us on their own. How do you expect us to live without the secret? Aramir asked petulantly. The humans will hunt us down. I don't deny it will be difficult, it might even destroy both of our society's ways of life. But we must rely on our own governorship and guide our people, having faith in human leaders to do the same. We have nothing to lose. If peace fails, we will only be sitting in this exact position again, that is to say, on the brink of a war which would end us both. How are we to feed? The humans won't allow us to prey upon them any longer. The gaunt man in the cloak said. Vladimir, there are enough humans to feed every vampire in the world thousands of times over. You can live off donated blood or the blood of your familiars. I know there's something in it for you to hunt and chase your prey down, but we will all need to make sacrifices. You won't even have to do that. Michelle piped in, a bit hesitant at first before her voice and ideas strengthened as she spoke. There are so many freaks around these days. Hell, there are probably people who would pay to be fed on, as long as you don't kill them. You beings have enough money and power to buy whatever you want in the human world. That's really all this will come down to, money and power. You are going to bring an entirely new resource into the open magic. Sure, everyone is going to freak out for a few months but when the dust settles and we sort out the details, you'll be able to walk down the street in your true forms and ask whatever price you want for your services. That's just the beginning. Think about what magic and science could accomplish together. You could probably cure diseases and stop global warming. I doubt it will be as simple as that, but the woman has a good point. Agreed the ancient dragon. A vote then. There were several more minutes of muttering but eventually, all thirteen members conceded to at least explore peaceful revelation, to contact the humans and see what they actually wanted. Besides, what other choice did they really have? Michelle couldn't believe she was actually doing this, acting as go-between in what was likely to be the most revolutionary first contact in recorded history. The Senate told her very specifically that she wasn't allowed to reveal any tactically significant information but that had slipped right through the cracks. She was so nervous. Barely five hours ago, she had been questioning Chris. Now so much had happened, and most of it was based off information she'd given the Synod. If it all went wrong, would it be her fault? She spoke her identification code into the phone, as well as a code word which indicated the supernatural nature of Call's subject. She didn't even have to wait ten seconds.
Michelle, thank God. We've been in a situation room for the last two hours since you missed your contact time. What the hell is going on? The feed from the Harrisburg facility came back up a couple hours ago. No one can find Director Neil Sun and the generals are talking about first strike capabilities like it's our only option. Calm down, Mr. President, and I suggest you stop talking for a moment. I'm as compromised as it gets, there are beings listening to this conversation. Michelle replied. Shit! The president exclaimed, silencing everyone in the dark, screen-lit room in Washington and signaling a technician to put the call on speaker, as the Senate had done from the start. The powerful men and women assembled listened with rapt attention. In the background, someone was told to trace the call. You won't be able to trace it, I'm in Denver though. Michelle explained, looking around her nervously for signs of disapproval. You were captured. Are you hurt? You're under duress obviously but I hope they didn't hurt you. The president said. I'm fine but... I ah, uh, I'm one of them now. A familiar. They know everything I know now, they used a true serum on me. There was an angry outcry around the room followed by hushed muttering. So they let you contact us. Michelle, what is going on? You're going to find this hard to believe but this is all Roddick's fault. He attacked the Harrisburg facility and we barely escaped. He's trying to force a confrontation between us and the beings. They've agreed to talk with you about peaceful negotiations. They're about as shocked by this as we were at the start. Looking around, Michelle tried to make sure she was doing okay. Chris gave her a nod but the faces of the Senate members on the screens were stern and unreadable. She assumed they would stop her quite abruptly if she misspoke. Well, that's a bit hard to swallow, Michelle. I'm sorry, but by the looks on some of the faces here with me, I'd say this is what's called stalling. By our accounts, you've been in their hands for several hours and by your own admission, you're compromised. Michelle was at a loss. She told the Synod that this was exactly what would happen. With beings, once you were compromised, anything out of your mouth was worth less than a lie directly from your enemies. Chris looked towards the Synod in frustration. Weren't they going to do anything to help Michelle? It appeared not. Mr. President, if I may. Chris spoke up. It's an honor to talk to you. My name is Christopher Barrist, the being you've been monitoring. Michelle arrested me this morning. I'm aware of who you are. Son, if you hurt Michelle there will be, I won't hurt her. Chris interrupted. She's my familiar now so it's my job to look after her. I've read all sorts of reports about mistreatment of human, familiars. Rebutted the president. I'll be fine, sir. Michelle supported. Some of the synod were starting to look a little irate at the dragon's boldness. However, none of them spoke up. Look, this is going to be hard on both sides but it comes down to this. We don't want a war, and we hope that you don't either. Chris tried to explain. It's going to be difficult to build trust but the first thing you need to know is that Roddick isn't who you think he is. He isn't your friend. As far as any of us can tell, he isn't even part of our society. And, he is certainly far more powerful than he's led you to believe. He set this all up to start a conflict between us, both Michelle and I heard it from his mouth only hours ago, before he tried to kill us both. Why? Asked the president. I don't know but a war can't be good, can it? In the dark bunker, the president was searching the faces in the room for guidance, looking to his generals and advisors but ultimately having to make a decision based on his own moral compass. This was the moment any sane person in a position of power dreaded, when it came down to the line and you made a decision which would affect people's lives, a decision you would be remembered for. It's true, Bob. Michelle added, using his first name was an established duress signal which indicated she was telling the truth. She doubted it would actually increase her credibility but it couldn't hurt. Roddick knew who Christopher was before he identified him to us. He's a class 1 dragon, for God's sake, and he's very high profile because he's only just been discovered as a being. Roddick wanted to stir up as much outrage at us amongst the beings as possible, and did the same for us by trying to kill everyone at Harrisburg. The president took heart that Michelle was still cognizant enough to use a hidden message, even if he couldn't take it at face value when beings were involved. If what she said was true though. Maybe he was a fool, but Robert Falconer wouldn't go down in infamy as the man who started the war to end all wars. I want to believe you, but what's to stop them from turning around and taking our memories that any of this ever happened? It was one of his biggest concerns. They had a very detailed failsafe in place which would trigger if it happened. People who needed to check in with their memories intact daily or very bad things would be set in motion. 
Still, it would leave them severely disadvantaged at the start of a potential war if their leadership suddenly developed amnesia. Michelle wanted to tell them that the beings couldn't do it, that it had been too long. However, the Synod had very specifically forbid her to reveal that. She looked to the dragon in frustration and he gave her a wry smile, perhaps a tiny wink. We can't. Chris spoke up. I in the background, Robert, and everyone listening heard an angry shriek as someone far away screamed. How dare you! Recognizable words were drowned out afterwards as an unintelligible argument broke out amongst the Synod. Shut up! Chris bellowed away from the phone, taking another huge risk as he flouted the Synod's authority yet again. He'd taken it upon himself to ensure this whole situation didn't go too far south on his account. If he had to step on toes to do so, so be it. Let me talk to them. Ominous silence filled the room abruptly. Sorry, Mr. President, as you can see, we're a bit high-strung on this end, too. Chris paused, looking around the room to see some very angry faces. He wasn't even supposed to be doing the talking, but he couldn't help it. If Michelle wasn't allowed to tell the humans what they needed to hear, he would tell them. Besides, none of the synods seemed even remotely interested in talking to the humans. I in the corner of his eye, he thought he saw Rayla snickering. Despite the seriousness of the situation, the Midnight Elf couldn't help but laugh as the young hatchling overrode the synod, an organization she'd always abhorred since it became dominated by the High Elf Council. Perhaps he didn't know what powerful enemies he might be making, perhaps he didn't care. Either way, it only endeared the dragon to her further. She was going to tame him, claim him for herself one day. Radek is a clever bastard. Chris continued. It's been about four to six months since you all found out about us. I don't understand the magic involved but apparently it's harder and harder to remove specific memories as time goes on, especially when they are reinforced by more thought and constant reminders. It can also be very damaging, even deadly. We simply don't think we would get away with a global memory wipe of the world's political and military leaders, believe me, it's been the topic of some very healthy argument. Besides, we're scared you'll nuke us or something. The president paused, weighing the information the courageous young man had just given them, before he allowed himself a sigh of relief. Christopher, that's very relieving to hear. Thank you. I want everyone listening to consider that this is exactly the kind of honesty we are going to need to get through this. I would be very disappointed if you were punished for explaining that to us. It puts to rest one of our biggest fears about dealing with you, P.O.P. Beings. The president decided he already liked this young man and as he spoke, a collective wave of relaxation flowed around the room of humans. Shoulders became unhunched, buttocks unclenched. Perhaps a being attack wasn't imminent. Thank you, sir. Chris replied. Only recently a true being, he was thrilled to be talking with the president but the dragon helped him keep his cool in the high-pressure situation. You're welcome. Now I can assume you aren't responsible for making decisions on behalf of all beings, Chris, although perhaps those who are listening are? Yes. Chris looked around for help but still no one spoke up. How about this? President Falconer said. Why don't we all back down for the moment and collect our thoughts? It's been a trying day but I'd say that first contact has staved off any immediate, impending disaster. We will not strike unless we detect aggressive actions on your behest, but let me assure you all, you don't want to deal with the fallout if we do. With peace in mind, both parties should take a while to come up with some initial goals, terms we can hopefully start working on to achieve a global revelation of this, this secret. Looking around the room, Robert noted the atmosphere had changed entirely. At least they had some idea what the beings were thinking, rather than waiting in the dark to be struck down. There's no chance you just forget about this entire thing and let us continue as we are? Chris had to ask. The president allowed himself a chuckle. I'm afraid not. This is too big to become a conspiracy. We are truly interested in peace if it's possible. One of the first things we realized was that you all have legitimate claims to live in peace as you need to. Heck, from what we can tell, you're all legal citizens of the countries you reside in. You want a global revelation, but you must understand that you can't just do this overnight. Chris warned. We'll need to have infrastructure and management in place before the public finds out. We're going to have to be careful about things on our end too. Of course, this will probably take months to put in place as we bring in other governments around the world. Although I imagine there are some countries we'll have to leave in the dark, North Korea comes to mind. The president thought out loud. We could probably help with problems like that. Chris looked around the room for reassurance, finally receiving a couple of nods. Okay, 
so we'll call again tomorrow once we've had a chance to discuss what our terms are. I'll call this number again at noon Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Michelle clarified. Thank you for hearing us out, sir. Remember, cut all ties with Radek and re-examine everything he gave us. We will, said the president. And Michelle, I'm glad you made it out okay. Chris got a very stern scolding from the synod that he knew he'd overstepped but hoped that it would be worth it in the end. Standing there, he couldn't help think that they were getting caught up in the details, stalling for excuses. What did it matter if he'd weakened their position by telling them about how memory removal worked? If they were serious about peace, they should be serious about it at the start and give humans a reason to trust them. No one else had stepped up to the plate, and no one had stopped him from doing so either. Yet it seemed that that was somehow his fault, too. Perhaps he still considered himself a human. You have no place negotiating on behalf of all beings, and revealing our capabilities to the humans was a stupid mistake. It speaks to your inexperience, boy. Aramir delivered his verdict with a sly smile, enjoying having the young dragon pinned under his authority even from thousands of miles away. This could prove useful against Rayla, too, should ever step out of bounds as well. Flouting our authority again will be met with punishment. I apologize for overstepping the Synod's authority, but I did what I thought I needed to to put the humans at ease. Chris reasoned while trying not to let the elf's self-righteous expression get to him. They will never trust us if we don't deal squarely with them. Holding a false threat over their heads isn't going to help. You may have a point, young dragon, but those decisions are for us to make, not you. Spoke a middle-aged witch sternly. I'm sorry. He repeated. You will have to talk to them eventually. I hope you can take Michelle's advice to heart when you do. Meanwhile, Rayla and John Guthrie could barely keep smiles off their faces. The young dragon had stepped on some powerful toes, but it was entertaining to see the rest of the synod at such a loss while the youngster negotiated peace on their behalf. Having recently been almost completely human, he was probably the best choice they had. How were millennial beings supposed to relate to modern human concerns? Chris and his party were dismissed as the synod planned to continue discussion late. Already, someone was debating that a full revelation wasn't the best option. However, from what Chris could hear, it seemed like most of the synod knew it was probably their only option. As he started towards the exit, Chris noticed Michelle was still standing around, looking a bit lost. Hey, are you coming? I uh, don't have anywhere to go. Chris chuckled. She really mustn't think much of him and didn't quite understand what being his familiar would entail. Sure you do. You can stay with us for as long as you want, at least until you figure out what you want to do with yourself. However, I suspect you'll be very busy for the next months acting as a negotiator. She thought about that for a moment. Perhaps, yes, she did have a useful place for herself in this new world. The dragon was already walking away, his arm wrapped possessively around Annabelle's waist with Susan and Lillian following along behind. She hurried to catch up. Come on, baby, how can you say no? Annabelle cooed seductively in his ear. She wriggled her soft, slender body down on top of him. He could feel her smooth skin teasing him ridiculously, the heat of her moist nethers against his testicles, so close to his erection, currently trapped against her supple navel. Don't tell me you don't want to. I can feel that you do. She continued directly against his neck, kissing and nibbling the dragon's creamy throat. I know, Dee, but I'm really tired and want to think clearly for a bit without falling straight to sleep afterwards. Can we please just wait until tomorrow? Chris could barely believe the words coming out of his own mouth. He would have slapped himself if it hadn't been for the day's events. His arrest, his escape, a new familiar, the prospect of a global revelation, and Roddick.as it was, he could barely resist as she slowly slid her entire naked body around on top of his in their bed, her skin sending shivers through him as it rubbed against his. But I miss you. Annabelle pouted purposefully, knowing it was likely to make him combust. She could understand that he wanted time to just think, but the fear and excitement she'd experienced with him getting attacked then arrested had her body highly strung, anxious, and obscenely horny. She needed some physical reassurance. Now reunited, with the naked dragon on his back, his delicious scent in her mouth, and wings splayed out slightly on the bed with her pretty much sitting on his impressive crotch, he said he didn't want to. I was gone two days. Chris chuckled, followed by a yawn. He was really worn out, having been interrogated twice, not to mention teleporting over a thousand miles while carrying Michelle. You were shot at, arrested, and in case you'd forgotten, we were engaged. Annabelle rebutted. It was an eventful two days. 
She sat up a little, reaching above his head to put her hands on his purple forewings, holding him down onto the bed as she contemplated forcing herself on him. Her puckered little nipples were practically poking his eyes out and he wouldn't even suck them. He was being particularly stubborn for some reason. Was he doing this to her on purpose? Please? She whined, rocking on top of him, crushing her swollen, moist labia on the underside of his thick shaft. Her entire body was about to overheat with desire. Chris let out a heavy breath, but his dragon had an interesting idea so he ceded some control. He wasn't going to give in, but the least he could do was get her off. With his hands on her sides, he indicated he wanted her to turn around, which she did with an excited little yip. She loved cowgirl, but they never tried reverse. Annabelle held herself up, reaching for his penis to impale herself in this exciting new position but one of his powerful arms wrapped up around her chest and pulled her back against him. She was lying on her back on top of him, her ass cheeks making a snug cocoon for his hot erection, while her head rested on his shoulder. A purple hand snaked down her right side, slow with an almost ticklish touch. It glided across her tummy, causing her breath to hitch as it started playing its way downwards through her short, trimmed brown curls, until he cupped her feverish mound, covering it entirely. She was so wet already that his hand slipped easily through her slick little snatch, exploring her secret place in detail, sending a shivering thrill deep into her core. Her labia felt so puffy and engorged beneath his fingers, so slimy and squishy with her excitement, radiating heat. She was really worked up. Annabelle wriggled, spreading her legs and trying to drive her mound up into his hand. He didn't respond. She tried to roll back over to face him but found herself trapped by his arms as a low growl vibrated through his chest. She huffed out a tiny mule of frustration. She must be dealing with the dragon. He wanted her still and quiet but she had to consciously decide to relax, give in to him. She managed it. Barely. Good girl. The dragon hissed in her ear, sending a shiver down her spine. Something inside her resonated to his voice, the little animal that she was rolled onto her back, presenting everything that she had to offer up to her lover, her mate, her master. She was completely his in that moment, so eager and hopeful. His to control, his to do as he pleased with, his to pleasure however he wanted. I said I didn't want to, which I admit might seem startling. But please be patient. I would give you the same courtesy were our positions reversed. Sorry. Annabelle whispered, tilting her head backwards to kiss the underside of his chin. Don't be. The dragon reassured. I'll take care of you now, but then we'll wait until morning for more. I love you. She murmured happily, stroking her hands along his caging forearms. With that, he started to move his hand again, slowly at first, rubbing up and down on either side of her pussy, pushing her labia together, then pulling them apart gently to expose her deepest pink. Annabelle moaned gently when he finally ran a wet finger directly through her slit, stopping just below her peeking clit. Already his gentle touch was driving her crazy and her hands clutched and fisted in the sheets beneath them. She couldn't help but move a little, squirming back and forth against his hand and no doubt wreaking havoc on his erection trapped between her peachy globes. She could feel the thick, arrow-like head prodding her lower back when she wasn't arching up into him. Her head tossed from side to side when he finally touched her clit with a drenched finger. She was so wet she could feel little trickles of her pungent excitement leaking down her crack every now and then. His other mischievous hand wasn't idle where it held her trapped, but toying with her small, sensitive breasts in succession, rolling her tiny brown nipples back and forth between his big fingers. Her breath came fast and ragged, her pleasure making her grunt and cry out. Chris! She wailed, for no other reason than her body demanded she make some noise about the delight it experienced. God, she loved him. Her cries only encouraged him, increasing his stimulations as her body tensed with building joy. He carefully inserting a thick, clawed finger deep into her slick channel, curling it backwards while he rubbed her clit with his thumb. Annabelle huffed and panted for a few more glorious seconds before it felt like her world fell away, a quiet, moaning gurgle escaping her throat. He'd hit that spot inside her which never failed. Her hips bucked upwards once, twice, while pleasure racked her twitching body and her universe exploded behind her eyelids. Then she was still, panting, relaxing as those wonderful little shocks whizzed through her for minutes as her body cooled. She'd almost fallen asleep when he finally removed his sopping, slippery hand from her mound, rolling them both to the side and pulling her to him. Me, your dick, tomorrow morning. Annabelle muttered sleepily as she pulled his arm up underneath her pert little breasts and held onto it as she fell back asleep. The dragon sighed. He should have just fucked her. 
Now his sticky erection was in excited agony, trapped against her, no doubt wetting her back with pre-cum. It was always so deeply arousing to experience Annabelle in orgasm, her sounds and smells. Her taste. The dragon brought his hand up to sample it off his fingers, so ripe and womanly, slightly tangy and a little sweet. The beast proceeded to lap the rest away with his forked tongue, savoring his mate's essence before giving control back to the human, so intent on revaluating the last few days' events. Dragons always take care of their brood, the dragon imparted as Chris kissed the top of Annabelle's head. Chris lay awake for hours. His mind racing. He was tired and there were moments where he almost fell asleep before something popped into his head and jolted him back into an unshakable sense of foreboding. Michelle was one of his main concerns. Having taken the final spare room in the hotel suite slash apartment with little fuss, he thought she was probably in some kind of shock. He'd have to watch her carefully and make sure she was adjusting. Jesus Christ, another familiar. Not only that, another woman for his dragon to go sniffing after. Hopefully it wasn't like that with Michelle, though, hopefully their arrangement was both platonic and their living quarters temporary. If this huge revelation of the secret went through, perhaps being laws wouldn't require her to be under his supervision and she wouldn't need his protection. In the meantime, she would be invaluable in facilitating interaction between the synod and human governments. She was going to be very busy. If Roddick had managed to kill her, things would have gone very differently today. Roddick. If he'd never sworn to uphold the secret, who exactly was he? Certainly not part of the mainstream being community. Perhaps more importantly, what did he hope to gain by eliciting a war between humans and beings? Chris was inclined to let the Synod deal with these questions but the dragon felt that it had become personal between them. Perhaps the dragon was right, too. He'd attempted to kidnap him and blame him for the slaughter of those NSA agents. He'd planned to kill Susan and Lillian to get to him. Yes, it was definitely personal. As he lay snuggled around Annabelle's comforting feel and smell, his mind even wandered to what this would all mean. A revelation. It was such a huge issue, he couldn't begin to comprehend what would happen. It would be such a hurdle for the governments to agree on a global policy and for beings and humans as a whole to agree on whatever they come up with, let alone stick to it. He took a long time to eventually drift off, feeling anxiety that there was no way this would go off smoothly. Just before dawn, he retreated into the ether, reconnecting with his otherworldly aspect and replenishing his energy after the previous days of excitement and exertion. Annabelle awoke with a start and instantly knew she was alone in bed. There was no warmth against her back, no arm around her middle, no erection between her buttocks. She didn't like it one bit. Resting up on her hand and looking around the room then at the empty space in their bed, she wondered if he was in the kitchen making coffee for Susan. Perhaps he'd gone to Susan's bed halfway through the night? That thought hurt a little, despite that she'd resolved to quell any jealousy she felt towards his mother. Her expression must have clouded because she felt a ghostly touch brush down her bare back, making her shiver. She couldn't help but smile then. He was still there with her. She flumped down onto the bed again, turning to watch. Come back, babe. She coaxed out IT took a few seconds before the first cloudy. Purple traces of him began to reappear taking his time with the transition back into the norm. The unfocused outline fleshed out quickly and soon she was face to face with the beautiful dragon again. Her dragon dot he smiled back at her, draconian countenance bare inches away, eye to eye. He snaked an arm out, pulling her against him as she shuffled to help him drag her warmly across the sheets. Don't do that, please, she said quietly, nuzzling against his chin. I have to go sometimes. I think I could take you with me now. Do you want to try that sometime? He asked, stroking her back peacefully. Bartholomew seemed to become excited by the idea of entering the ether. Rushing up from his favorite spot curled around her belly button to jump expectantly on her cheek. Annabelle could only giggle at his antics, alive and boisterous. Well, he certainly seems to like the idea. Won't it be dangerous for me, though? I don't think it would be too dangerous. Yesterday I teleported through the ether to come back here. I felt how the dragon extended our influence to include Michelle when I pulled her in. I think I could do it with you. Besides, you've got Bartholomew. Who knows what he'd allow you to do. Yes, but I promise not to test his, our abilities until I understand more about magic. I'd prefer if you'd just be here when I woke up. Okay, but next time I go, I at least want to try bringing you along. There's this idea I've had for somewhere we can all live. It's a bit complicated though, and I need a guinea pig. Do tell? It's a surprise. He smirked. Tease. 
Annabelle batted his chest softly while her other hands slithered between them to hold the angry head of his erection. Already with the name calling? You little nympho. Oh ho ho, that's rich coming from a verified motherfucker. Annabelle retorted with no real sting. Ouch. Chris responded before becoming more serious. How are you doing with that? I'm okay. Susan and I didn't really have time to talk about it yesterday, but now that it's happened I'm not going to put a blanket ban on it. Sometimes I just get, oh, I don't know, possessive. Her feelings on the matter were by no means simple. It's okay, I like that. Lord Guthrie seems to think there's something about dragon males which makes women get along with their other broodmates more easily. Something magical. Not this, perhaps? Annabelle slid a finger up and down the side of his erection. Teasing it would be payback for it poking her in the belly so rudely just now, Chris could only sigh as she tormented his shaft, tracing a single finger up over his crown before ghosting her fingers down in a cage over his fat cockhead and that forced a big twitch of pleasure out of him. She chuckled as she felt his cock jump under her touch. How was it? He could only assume she was referring to his episode with Susan and tried to gauge what sort of an answer she really wanted. Amazing. Really hot, heavy, but also very loving. She's a beautiful woman but hadn't done it in a long time. We really enjoyed each other. His honesty shocked her a little but it was good. She didn't want to lie. She gripped him more firmly in retaliation, stoking up and down. She brought her focus up to the dragon's face, searching his eyes. An inkling of the hot need she'd experienced at their first coupling was creeping back into her system. Her pussy was rapidly preparing itself for him, and she felt the dangerous necessity to coax the dragon out again, to goad him into reasserting his possession of her, reassure herself that she was still his. Think you're man enough to handle two women? The dragon growled, too easily rising to her challenge, rolling them quickly so she was trapped beneath him on her back. Her legs were already falling open of their own accord as he reached down to position his mighty erection against her moist opening, spreading her thick labia and tiny inner frill to feel her heat against his tip. Without preamble he pushed forward firmly, brushing aside the tight resistance to his entry, sinking halfway into her clutching vagina and forcing a pleasured gasp out of his lover. Pulling back slightly, he thrust again into her warmth, so soft and tightly conforming to every inch of him. He didn't stop until his thick crown butted against the gateway to her womb and Annabelle huffed, looking up at him with such an expectant, loving expression written all over her gorgeous face. He held himself there as she squirmed, filled absolutely to the brim and reveling in the pleasure that fact gave her. He leant down and kissed her sexy little nose, teasing his mouth across her face on its journey towards her ear. What do you think, little girl? Am I man enough for you? Chris, I dash. She started before he collected a fistful of soft, brown hair at the nape of her neck and silenced her with a dominating kiss. Pulling back and arching his whole purple body into her, Chris began a series of long, slow thrusts which made her moan throatily into his mouth as their tongues met carefully around his sharp teeth. His hips undulated lewdly, retracting and sheathing nearly his entire length in a languid pace which had Annabelle coming to pieces in mere minutes. Her splayed legs involuntarily quivered and jumped as he slowly filled her, completely, again and again. He didn't release their kiss as she clawed at his purple sides in ecstasy. As her breathing through her nose became almost desperate and she gasped in air between their dueling tongues, he held it, too, as her entire body stiffened, her legs wrapping vice-like around him with her toes curled painfully. Annabelle screamed into his kiss, his cock finally holding still deep inside her as she bucked wildly underneath him. Sizzling pleasure consuming her entire being. She could feel her womanhood twitch, soak, and flutter but he was huge and stoic inside her, determined to have her come for him again. Prove his dominance. As she calmed, he slowed the passion of their kiss. She felt limp and satisfied underneath him his partial weight heavy and comforting on top of her. Annabelle felt so loved and completed with him above her like that, so huge and masculine compared to her slim, soft body. When he looked into her eyes again, she gave him such a hooded, sexy, satisfied look he had to smile, finally breaking their lips apart and arching his hips into her again, this time aided by the added slickness of her recent joy. Oh, Jesus, how do you do that to me? Fuck, that was awesome. Annabelle moaned. If I didn't know better I wouldn't believe we lost our virginities just over a week ago. That good, huh? He replied cockily. So, am I man enough? You know I only said that to wind you up, babe. And reap the rewards. I know. He pecked her swollen lips. It seems to work though, doesn't it? Annabelle giggled happily, 
and Chris's purple face distorted in delight as the contractions of her diaphragm caused her flooded pussy to grip and squeeze his hardness all over again. His reaction only made her laugh more. That look of stupid adoration was priceless. Fuck Annabelle. He pulled her with him as he reared back on his haunches so they were sitting, still deeply connected. You have no idea how good that feels when you squeeze it like that. He tucked down his nose and groaned into her soft neck breathing in her essence. She was slightly above him now, sitting on his lap, rocking back and forth gently on his pole. It was so thick as she rolled her hips, hitting every spot inside her as she wrapped her arms around his neck and into his short purple hair. If you like that, just wait until I'm sick with a cough. How? Chris started. Oh, I see. Yeah, that would be hot. Kinda weird, though. Besides, you'll never get sick again with me around. He had to stop there for a moment, as her small movements, and now purposeful clenching wreaked havoc on his cock. Oh shit, D. You feel perfect like that. He couldn't help but grit his teeth and take hold of her hips, guiding her up and down, forwards and backwards, even in little circles on him. Using her body for his pleasure, they went at each other like that for a long time, kissing and sucking at each other's exposed skin while they mated enthusiastically. Annabelle loved riding him like that, being able to use her whole body to move on him, but also able to relax and let him take over if needed. She even indulged in her favorite little quirk, giving the dragon a series of love bites across his taut neck and shoulder in time with the waves of pleasure he unleashed upon her. Even as she did this, her little tattoo dragon nipped her in return, sending tiny shocks across her tummy and breasts. Chris loved seeing and feeling her lithe body arch and buck against him. He secured firm handholds in her amazing, peachy ass and pushed her body down onto his slick rod with each of his long upstrokes. He couldn't believe how hot and tight she felt on him, simply exquisite. Yes. Yes, oh yes. Fuck me. Keep going, baby, I'm oh. I'm gonna come again soon. Annabelle moaned breathily into his hair, pulling his face down to her breast. When his tongue lashed across one of her tiny nipples she automatically arched back, thrusting down hard on his girth. Grarahaha. Seeing her sleek body arch beautifully like that broke something inside Chris. She was so perfect. So pale and soft, so small and seemingly innocent yet totally sensual as she impaled herself on him. Her pose displayed every perfect feminine curve. She was so tight and moist on him, too her lubrication practically flowing down his shaft in little trickles as her scorching channel shuddered in bliss that he pulled her up a little and thrust powerfully from below, hunching his entire body as he frantically sheathed himself barely five more times. Chris felt himself swell inside her, and he gave in to the orgasm which proceeded to devour him, starting right at the tip of his cock against her cervix, and coursing down through the rest of his body like wildfire. Araya, shit! came his strangled cry against her collarbone. His first pulse of semen practically leapt from him into her womb. More jets of thick cum continued to shoot deep into his mate, he gritted his teeth against the milky skin just above her breast. Yes. Oh, Chris, yes. Give it to me. I can feel it. I love you. Annabelle wailed as her body helplessly fell into her own magically induced orgasm, milking him for everything he had to give her, feeling him ejaculate so hot and forcefully inside her. She felt the sharp points of his bared fangs against her skin. It made her blurt out her next words on instinct. Bite me, Chris. I want it, please. The dragon roared in triumph inside him, ready to mark their mate and have her swell with their offspring. It was all he could do to hold back, clamping a hand quickly over his sharp mouth before he lost control against her perfect skin. His short fangs ached and dripped, filling his mouth with a spicy, tingling flavor and prompting thick saliva from his glands. He humped his cock deep inside of her with each of the last of his fading spurts, in a state of pleasured agony as he desperately held his mating instincts and checked out of his suffering, only a strangled groan reached Annabelle's ears. She was too busy riding out her pleasure, clutching his head to her chest and rocking on top of him, hips twitching with every little aftershock. At her belly button, Bartholomew writhed and shook in ecstasy, feeding and pulsing from the rich magic his creator gave freely to their beloved mistress. Eventually, the lovers relaxed, slumping back onto the bed, an entangled mess of sweaty limbs and sticky, throbbing genitals. Catching her attention with a hand on her cheek, Chris kissed Annabelle lovingly for a moment before pulling back to speak. Don't say that again unless you really mean it, and everything that would follow. I doubt my dragon would let me stop him again. I know, I'm sorry. Annabelle soothed. But I did mean it, in the moment at least. It's okay. It was just really hard not to bite you. 
You said it right at the time I would have done it natural. My dragon went nuts. It wouldn't be the worst thing though. I do want children with you, Chris. What about when you meet another dragon? Aren't you going to start trying straight away? That's a little bit different, D, and that would probably take years to accomplish even if either of the females accept me as a mate. I want kids with you too, babe, but I don't think we're ready for that. Yes, you're probably right. It was just such a lovely thought in the moment. I love you so much, baby. Annabelle whispered, leaning the bare inches between them to kiss the dragon passionately. I love you too, D. And you don't have to worry about when I find another dragon. You'll always be my first, and I'll always love you. He recaptured his breath, staring deeply into her fawn-like beautiful eyes. You'll be my wife now, too. Michelle finally emerged as they were having breakfast around the kitchen bar. If she admitted it to herself, she was terrified to show her face. She'd finally wept herself to sleep, thinking about the day's events but most potently the friends and colleagues she'd lost at the compound. Her slumber was fitful but uninterrupted. At least until the pleasured scream struck her disbelieving ears at 7.13am. Once the happy couple she assumed Chris and Annabelle died down, the reality of her situation hit her again, just as hard as before, like a bullet to a Kevlar vest. Her close colleagues were dead, her boss missing. She was the sole survivor, the recent, reluctant familiar of a powerful teenage being. A class 1 dragon no less it had all seemed a little fake yesterday, like a play or something, but it hit home this morning. Back when they'd learned about the class system, her agency had helped come up with contingencies for dealing with each of the classes and species, the appropriate force of action needed to take one down. On the brainstorm whiteboard, their best guesses for dealing with class 1 beings included airstrikes and cruise missiles. From what she'd seen of the dragon, none of this would even scratch him. He could simply phase into another dimension and emerge at will anywhere he desired. Now she was his property, and although he'd seemed kind and understanding yesterday, caring even, she dreaded what today would bring. She was alone, so deep into enemy water she felt sure she'd sink and drown, overwhelmed. After she'd showered in her very own fancy and soot, she changed back into yesterday's clothes, plus the slightly too big t-shirt Susan had given her last night to sleep in. It took a few minutes of self-convincing, telling herself that she was a proud NSA agent. Finally, she worked up the courage to peek around her door. Good morning. Annabelle chirped as she spotted Michelle from her post at the stove. I've made Chris's favorite, banana pancakes, and there's plenty to go around, if you get in fast enough. Everyone turned to look at Michelle for a moment before Chris broke the silence with an enthusiastic mumble through a very full mouthful. Tear gourd. Excuse my son's manners, they are really good though. Susan came forward to strong-arm Michelle into a seat while Annabelle loaded a stack straight from the pan onto a plate in front of her. Annabelle's training as a chief in the fall so she's our dedicated cook at the moment. When we don't get lazy and order room service that is. I'm getting spoiled living here. Michelle glanced up and found the dragon watching her. Determined to regain some of her composure, she held his gaze that he swallowed his mouthful and smiled, displaying his intimidating teeth and fangs yet again. It looked so absurd, a half-man, half-purple dragon sitting at a kitchen bar in jeans and a black t-shirt with holes ripped in the back for his folded wings. Meanwhile, his obviously happy fiancé served him pancakes while his mother hovered over her. Absurd. Now where was the vampire? Did you sleep okay? How are you doing? Chris asked. I'm fine. Michelle answered, defensive but not unfriendly. By his look, she could tell he didn't believe her. Okay. Well, first things first, in the spirit of everyone getting along. Lillian? I'd like you to apologize to Michelle for how you treated her yesterday. Susan took in a sharp breath, looking over to where she'd last sensed the invisible vampire, not knowing how she would take to the request for an apology. Absolutely, I plan to do exactly that. Michelle jumped, locating the disembodied voice as coming from near the big silver fridges. There wasn't even a shimmer or rift in the air to give the vampire away. I'm sorry for treating you so roughly, Michelle. I'm a vampire, you see. We have violent tendencies lurking close to the surface and I was worked up after failing my duty and having to leave Chris to be arrested by you. Incredible. Michelle marveled, able to hear the voice but still unable to detect anything else. Then the words sank in. Um, thank you for the apology, Lillian. There was no permanent damage after he healed my neck. And I would like to apologize to you, Lillian. Chris said earnestly. I didn't mean to grab you like that and I certainly didn't mean to tear your skin. I just didn't know how to get through to you. There's no need, Chris. 
I'm a big girl. I can handle a little rough and tumble. Lillian downplayed the whole incident, even though it had highlighted to herself her feelings and instincts towards the dragon. She'd once again tried to steel herself against him last night, unsuccessfully. That venture had ended rather explosively. Pleasurably. She couldn't help herself when he was fucking his little girlfriend. The noises they made were too easily the music to her own release. She was practically addicted to it. Now she smirked. She would get at least some revenge. That's not to say I won't take it out on you this morning, though. I'm going to whoop your ass all over the mat. Chris could only groan. She would do it, too. Although, this time he'd be in his half-form and he planned to surprise her with some phasing, if he felt up to it. So, uh, what will I be doing today? Or for the rest of my life, for that matter? Michelle asked after her first bite of pancake. MHHRM at Manabelle, these are really good. Annabelle beamed. Well, the Synod has already made a request to Chris that they borrow you to help them get ready for their phone call at noon. Lillian said. I think you'll actually be flat out between the governments and the Synod for the foreseeable future. Chris added. If that's what you want to do? Yes, I think I could make a big difference there. If the Synod actually listens to me, that is. They're going to have to. They have almost no connection to the human world and need your help badly. Once this is resolved, though, who knows? You could do whatever you want. They might abolish the idea of familiars altogether, or we could still all wipe each other out in a global war. In the meantime, you're one of us, a keeper of the secret. You'll be under my protection from other beings and you're supposed to, ah, uh, obey and serve, all that good stuff. As far as I'm concerned, though, you've been forced into this so you can do whatever you like as long as you don't get yourself into too much trouble. I'll try to help you out any way I can. Thank you, Chris. What about my things, though? Where am I going to live? Also, I need to buy some emergency items as soon as possible. Some clothes, toiletries, and a new set of glasses. Don't worry about all that, Susan said. I can help you get what you need this morning before you go to the compound. I'd say it's best to live with us for the moment. There's plenty of room. You're his familiar after all and the accommodation is gratis from Lady Rayla. We'll sort out your past life as we go but I imagine you did a lot of traveling and weren't exactly tied down. Yes, you're right, I guess. There isn't all that much to set in order. I'm sure I can get someone from the agency to clear out my apartment and send my personals here or into storage. Great, it's settled then, other than a few details. Immediate concerts covered for the moment, and feeling generally more optimistic about her future, Michelle devoted herself to eating the tasty breakfast while studying the others. Chris was clearly the center of the group. Annabelle openly adored him, and though Susan held herself back as the younger woman didn't, Michelle quickly suspected there was something more than motherly affection going on there. Barely seconds after she'd come to that conclusion, it was confirmed as Mother and Dragon shared an open-mouth kiss before she excused herself briefly to call into work. It's complicated. Sighed Chris, catching Michelle's shocked look. I bet. She isn't my biological mother. I guess you could say she was my nurse when I was young, before my parents were killed. She raised me in hiding as a human for all these years, and we love each other dearly. That kind of transformed into what you saw as I, transformed into this. He gestured at himself, the dragon. But you said you were engaged to Annabelle. Michelle countered. All I can say about that is that dragons don't really do one-to-one. -one. The males usually gather groups, broods. It's a bit of a problem actually. It skewed our population to be about one-quarter male, three-quarters female. And apparently he has some sort of magic which makes us docile enough towards each other for it to work. Annabelle added, wrapping the dragon up in a hug from behind and delivering some kisses into his neck. Michelle raised her hands in surrender. I'm not going to pretend to understand and I'll try not to pass judgment. Told you it was complicated. Susan came back a moment later, producing a small vial which Chris quickly recognized from the rather memorable flight back from London. Its slightly purple contents shimmered ominously on the bench. You can't be serious. Chris swallowed. She'll never do it. She has to. Susan replied. Lillian outright laughed. Do what? Michelle and Annabelle asked in quick succession. This is a potion to prevent Chris's pheromones from affecting you, Michelle. You need to take a drop or two in your food or on your skin every morning. I'm a little surprised they haven't affected you already. Perhaps you aren't attracted to him. I think I'm in too much shock to be attracted to anything. Michelle diverted. A potion. Like a magic one? It's not like the true syrup yesterday, is it? That was horrible. HRRMM. Susan murmured thoughtfully. 
No, it's not like the true syrup, you won't even notice it. It's about your only option, unless you want to become dragonstruck? No, no I don't want that. Michelle blushed. Oh my god, you have to tell her, mom. Chris interrupted, his voice almost panicked. Do you want to know what's in it? Or remain oblivious? Susan chuckled. Michelle considered the option for a moment. If it works and doesn't hurt me, I think I'd rather not know, judging by his reaction. Susan quickly dropped it a little onto Michelle's arm while Annabelle pinched Chris in the background until he divulged the main ingredient into her ear in an embarrassed whisper. Her eyes shot wide and she covered her mouth, trying to suppress her giggles. Susan was evil, but she was probably right. Michelle would never agree if she knew. Okay. Now you mentioned you needed some new glasses. How bad is your eyesight? Susan asked. It's not great, I'm nearsighted so I wear glasses almost all the time. It hasn't been too much of a problem though because most of my work is reading or combing over computer screens. Explained Michelle. What would you do to have clear eyesight again? Susan probed. Michelle's mind momentarily took her back to a rather emotional memory. She was 15, watching the optometrist scribble ominously in his notes, while her mother held her hand. He looked up at her with a sad smile and started explaining that she would have to wear glasses for the rest of her life. Anything. Replied Michelle enthusiastically. She really hoped the witch wasn't stringing her along. Are you sure this is going to work? Michelle asked for the umpteenth time. No, it's completely experimental. Susan said. However, I see no reason why it wouldn't. It's got powerful healing properties, beyond simply closing a wound. It could take a few doses, though. There are probably other ways to do this, but who knows how much they cost. Gross. Okay, let's do it. Susan handed her the two eye baths, which Michelle placed and inverted, blinking quickly and trying not to think about the fresh dragon saliva hopefully doing its work in her eyes. She held it like that for several minutes, staring into blackness as the discomfort faded. Her arms and neck became sore from holding the pose. That should do it. Susan indicated. Michelle thankfully dumped the baths in the bathroom sink and began flushing her face and eyes very thoroughly with water. Reluctant to open her eyes and be disappointed, she dried her face carefully on the offered towel and sighed deeply. She opened them gradually, squinting, then blinking away the blurriness from the water. Looking up, the improvement was instantly visible. Michelle hadn't truly realized what she'd been missing out on until her vision was repaired. Astonishment and disbelief silenced her. Everything was clear again, like when she was a child. It was, it was magic. She very nearly cried. Oh my god, thank you, Susan. She mumbled through her hand over her mouth, attempting to stem back the tide. It's fine, dear. Susan rubbed her shoulder as Michelle looked at herself in the mirror. Michelle could feel it coming. Her chest broiled as a meltdown loomed. She'd been on edge for the last six months and after everything that had gone wrong yesterday, this was such a wonderful gift. She bolted for the bathroom door, making a beeline for the startled dragon, and wrapped her arms up around his neck. She gave him a heartfelt hug which he quickly returned as she finally broke down. You'll never understand how much this means to me. She sobbed into his chest, taking ragged breaths of his pleasant scent. Her friends were dead. She was surrounded by those she considered enemies in an entirely alien world of magic, fantasy, and science fiction but as the dragon wrapped his strong arms around her firmly, she knew she was at least safe with him. Even more surprisingly, she no longer regretted being his familiar. Her facade of strength had fallen, but at least she'd found a friend. Chris was a little worried by her breakdown but stroked up and down her back comfortingly. The dragon even dared to lower his head and plant a kiss into her short, black hair, smelling strongly of the shampoo she'd recently used. It's going to be okay, Michelle. He soothed. Thank you so much. She looked up into his purple face, so unusual with his flattened snout and shocking reptilian eyes. However, she could still see the young man there, too, and couldn't remember the last time she'd felt this close to anyone. Thank you for everything. Hey, I didn't do anything. Susan was the one who came up with the idea. You're welcome, though. Chris replied as she pulled away, still holding one of his purple, to lone hands. Michelle thought he probably didn't grasp the depth and sincerity of her thanks, playing the whole situation down. Well, she would let it slide for the moment, perhaps not forever, though. This gives me so much hope. If you can fix something as important as my eyesight so easily with magic, there's no telling what humans and beings could accomplish together. I'm going to make sure I get a chance to see it happen. 
I'll devote myself to making sure the revelation goes off without a hitch. The dragon's huge body crashed to the padded mat underneath her and Lillian smiled. She still had him beat in his half-form. Straddling his tummy, she held one of his arms in the lock with which she'd forced him to the floor. It hadn't been easy. He was both stronger and faster in this form, more resilient. He'd landed a few hits but he was no match for someone who'd been training and being combat for hundreds of years, and who had undead strength to back up her training. It was enjoyable sparring with him, though, a real thrill for her inner beast. Perched on top of him, she could feel his solid chest heaving between her legs, watch his handsome face as it twitched in pain. Like this, at her mercy, the young dragon would have been hers to do with as she pleased if it weren't for the blood pact. What exactly she wanted to do to him was still a matter of debate between her instincts and apprehensions. Suddenly, her smile vanished as she found herself dropping to the floor, letting out a startled huff of air as her ass hit the mat. Too late she registered that the dragon had phased into the ether. A ghostly touch at her neck told her he was already coming back through to the norm behind her. Chris merged back with a triumphant growl in her ear, one arm forming a cage around her elbows, uncaring how he squeezed across her huge breasts. The other held her neck in a threat of simulated death. Well done, Chris. Lillian acknowledged. I think I might have gotten away if I'd been expecting you to phase, but once you had me I didn't put up a fight. She tilted her head back to look up at him briefly before giving a token, futile struggle against his hold. Always be careful when you phase in training, you could cripple me if you got it wrong. How's that? Chris asked behind her as he held her pinned against him, automatically scenting the back of her neck, deliciously teasing him with her subtle smell of honey, woman, and vampire. I forget you haven't been taught these things. Phasing in combat is so devastating because, with skill, you could phase part of yourself inside your enemy's body and do internal damage, bypassing any of your enemy's physical defenses. The only real way to stop it is to have some sort of barrier mechanism around you or to move so quickly that the phaser can never catch up from inside the ether. So, if I misjudged and actually positioned my hand inside your neck when I merged back, yes, you would have displaced parts of me in favor of your hand. Oh shit, I'm sorry, Lillian. Chris quickly released the Amazon who got gracefully to her feet and offered him a hand. There's no need to be sorry, Chris, it is part of your aspect. Just like I'm very strong as a vampire. That's why you'll be such a terror on the battlefield once you have training. The way you used it then, to get into a position where your enemy is at your mercy, is very effective. Only a little tingle on my neck gave me any warning and by then it was already too late. Practice to become faster and more accurate as you merge. Okay, thanks. I only really did it because I was frustrated that I could barely manage to touch you. I've got centuries of practice, Chris, I'm a class 2 vampire. Possibly the most physically oriented being species there is. There's no shame in being beaten in practice fights, especially by me. You're getting better too, learning how to avoid me and trying new ways to hit back. That's very good. Lillian's compliments were sincere. He was a great sparring partner, and she suspected a day would come when he would surpass her in every way. Thanks, Lillian. Chris smiled, feeling heartened. He felt a little better, and he would certainly be even more careful about phasing in the future. As you've discovered, you can also phase to move very quickly from one place to another. Lillian watched his half-form admiringly as he took position to come at her again. What wouldn't she do for her own pair of wings like that? Sadly, she still had several hundred years to wait. Yeah, I was thinking about that last night. I went about 640,000 meters per second to get from Harrisburg to here as fast as I did, which is roughly about 0.2% the speed of light. I can't decide if that seems fast or not, considering I teleported. Nerd. Lillian smiled at him affectionately. Most people call it teleporting, but different beings have different methods of accomplishing the same thing, so the term doesn't strictly apply. It was so weird. I felt absolutely nothing except time passing. There was no sense of consciousness. I just knew that a few seconds had gone by, then I was back. You don't have to always use it like that. You can just jump a few meters, reposition yourself to defend against or attack your opponent conventionally without the risk of being close enough to phase into them. That's very effective, too, and completely demoralizing for your enemy. I think I've done that by accident before. Chris said as he thought back to his first romp in the ether, when he got stuck there for almost an hour because his dragon hadn't bothered to tell him how to get out. Do you want me to try that now? No, why don't we go over some blocks and holds as a cool down before we go make that inquiry you mentioned at the compound? She proceeded to teach him the throws she'd been using so successfully against him. 
Of course, the best way to teach him in her mind was to use them on him all over again. Lillian's idea of a cool-down had Chris panting and sore in no time at all, even in his half-form. Her amusement was easy to read by the time they wrapped up. When they were finished, Chris went to find Oslo. The grizzly was using one of the resistance machines to exercise his inhuman strength. So, I've got an idea about a place to live. But it's going to be quite the project and I'd like your advice. Go on. Oslo replied in his gravelly voice. Underground. Chris stated, looking to the werebear as he hoisted an obscene weight before continuing. I want to buy a property, an old lot or a disused house, it doesn't really matter. Then build a subterranean residence below it. I just need someone who knows how to do it. Seems like a good idea so far. The bear huffed, muscles straining under the load, he finished his set before continuing. Security, privacy, secrecy, everything you're probably going to need, if you don't mind having no view that is. That's what I was thinking. I may know just the guy to help. He won't be cheap, but that isn't a problem because you can always trade for future favors. Chris changed back into his human form in the gym shower. The added strength and reflexes were great for sparing and lovemaking, but it wasn't practical to be a dragon all day, especially when you had to go outside. He, Oslo, and Lillian made their way to the main office at the compound, traversing the underground network of tunnels which linked a lot of the being sector together. He really liked the underground vibe. It resonated with his dragon, but he still wondered if he wanted his own home linked to the system or not. His workout had relieved some of the stresses of the past days, giving him an upbeat lookout. He was grateful for that, even though he knew it would wear off soon enough. Lillian directed Chris to the property's office, a single desk manned by a venerable goblin. There were a number of being-owned options so he took the portfolios of several he thought might fit his idea. Couldn't I just buy a property on the human market by trading my gold for cash with Rayla? Chris asked, a little confused about why it was necessary to go through the being system. Well, technically you could. Lillian reasoned. But there are laws which require us to respect human currency and not create opportunities for them to notice us. Buying up human-owned land and exchanging large quantities of magical currency for human money are certainly frowned upon. It's another opportunity for some accountant or bank officer to notice irregularities. Although, perhaps that isn't particularly relevant any longer. Huh. Oslo grunted, continuing with a huge grin on his shaggy countenance. No thanks to you, Lillian. All these years of experience, and you can't even stop a bunch of humans from capturing your hatchling dragon. Lillian hissed half-heartedly at his friendly poking, although she did still feel self-blame over the incident. However, from the discussion she'd had with Chris that morning, she was no longer certain there had been something she could have done to stop it. Oslo called his contact and arranged a late morning meeting at his house. It was slightly away from the Bing district but not too far. The warbear, dragon, and invisible vampire decided to take the 35-minute walk instead of using a pool car. It was a pleasant day, sunny but with a healthy breeze to keep the temperature manageable. The three essentially being introverts, they were mostly quiet on the walk, enjoying the day, but occasionally Chris would ask them some questions which were happily answered. Both older beings enjoyed the dragon's company. Having often worked as a team, Chris fit in well. It made it seem more like they were just out for a walk as friends rather than being his bodyguards. Oslo even howled with laughter as Lillian described Chris's discomforting encounter with the flight attendant on their return from Scotland. Hey, it's not funny. Chris defended. How am I supposed to deal that every day? Ah, the curse of irresistibility. Oslo teased. I bet you had fantasies about women falling over themselves to get to you. Not so glamorous now though, is it? No. And all Lillian did was sit there and laugh. Well, she wasn't a threat to your safety. The vampire reasoned. Besides, Susan's potion sorted her out very nicely after your little escapade to the bathroom. Remind me, what exactly went on in there? Shut up, Lillian. Chris blushed scarlet.at Oslo's prodding the vampire whispered the wicked details and he promptly burst open with laughter again. You're too easy, Chris, but don't worry. We'll cure that bashfulness soon enough. When they arrived at their destination, Chris was surprised to see just a normal, two-storied suburb house. He didn't know why but he still had this expectation that beings lived in obscure and unusual places. A knock on the door was quickly answered by a large, middle-aged man who offered him a hearty handshake and a friendly smile. Hello, you must be Christopher. I'm Stephen Sybin. Come in, come in. It's nice to see you again, Oslo, Lillian. 
Stephen welcomed them into the hallway and Chris caught a faint familiar smell he couldn't quite place. Haley, come downstairs. Just a minute, Daddy. Came a high-pitched call from upstairs. Come on through to the kitchen. What can I get you to drink? I was just about to fire up the coffee machine. That sounds great. Chris said. I'll second that. Oslo agreed. Nothing for me, thanks. Lillian joked. Of course, my dear. Sorry. Stephen replied, smiling. I don't need to feel uncomfortable with three carnivores in the house, do I? Oslo chuckled. You know who I am then? Chris asked. He hadn't been sure how much Oslo had told him. Well, of course I do, Chris, and it's an honor. You're the talk of the town at the moment. My wife works at the compound so we got the news on the day you were presented to the court. My daughter Haley is going to freak out when she meets you. Just wait and see. Stephen had a broad smile on his face, the smile of a loving father who took pleasure in playfully embarrassing his kids. Oh? I knew there was a bit of a buzz on Maginet, but I hadn't realized it had gotten that far. Chris was bemused, a fair amount of sarcasm seeping into his words. What species are you? If you don't mind me asking, that's not rude, is it? Your house does smell somewhat familiar. No, it's not rude to ask. We're were bison. That's why I made the joke about carnivores. The smell clicked in Chris's mind, like the clean scent of happy, healthy cows had back on Jeffrey's farm. Well, you're the first I've ever met. Does that mean you're vegetarians? Precisely, a quirk of biology and magic, I'm sure you have a few of your own. Stephen flipped dials and started grinding coffee beans on a very impressive-looking espresso machine. Now Oslo tells me you want to design and build a house, an underground one, no less. That's right, Dash. Chris started dot he was interrupted by the pitter-patter of bare feet on the stairs. A second later, a gorgeously petite young woman rounded the corner from the hallway. Chris was momentarily stunned by her sudden appearance. Her body was small and tight, perfectly proportioned except for her breasts, which were very large on her slight, five-foot frame. Her long blonde hair was pulled into a ponytail and she was wearing an outfit so gratuitously revealing it boggled belief. Tiny pink shorts barely covered her delectable butt, and an old, white tank strained to contain her bulging chest and exposed about six inches of toned, bronze midriff. It was the kind of outfit which would have been criminal on an older woman, something a girl would only wear to flounce around her bedroom. Daddy I, oh, hello Mr. Peterson. I didn't know we had guests, Dad. Her blue eyes nervously flicked towards the cute guy standing over by her dad. He was simply hot. Handsome and broad with ruffled blonde hair and piercing blue eyes matching her own. Her nostrils flared as a delicious scent tickled her nose. From her position, he looked almost twice as tall as her, although it didn't make him seem too intimidating. Her current state of undress hit home and she withdrew slightly, wrapping her arms across her stomach to try and hide some skin. Well, I'm sure you wouldn't want to miss the chance to meet our guest. Chris, this is my daughter Haley. Stephen introduced the two with a mischievous twinkle in his eyes. Hi, nice to meet you, Haley. Chris offered a handshake and a smile, which she daintily accepted. Haley looked like she was about to say something back when her father interrupted. He's the dragon you've been gossiping so much about with your friends. A series of expressions played across her face in a matter of seconds. Disbelief, appraisal, disbelief, excitement. She couldn't believe the dragon everyone had been talking about was in her house, talking to her dad. Talking to her. He was so cute, too. Her friends were never going to believe her. Then she remembered what she was wearing in front of him and blushed beet red. Oh my god. Daddy, I'm still in my PJs. She wailed, spinning to run back upstairs before she died of embarrassment. Serves you right. Stephen called after her, laughing. 11.30 is high time to be out of bed. Lillian and Oslo were laughing as well. Chris managed to smile, but a large portion of his mind was still devoted to processing just exactly how beautiful the young woman was. Clearly she still had some growing up to do, but that didn't stop her from being smoking hot. She's just turned 19. Stephen explained. She's been pretty sheltered though, hasn't really blossomed and gotten her confidence yet. I just can't resist teasing her sometimes. I'd say she certainly blossomed, Stephen. Lillian jibed. You should watch out though, he's a dragon after all. Don't go near my daughter. Stephen suddenly became serious, piercing Chris with that intimidating stare all fathers automatically perfect as soon as their daughters are born. I didn't. Chris stuttered apologetically before everyone in the room burst out laughing again. Jesus! 
Stephen roared. You're just as easy as she is. Great. Chris groaned before smirking. They'd gotten him. Seriously though, if she likes you, go for it. She could use a boyfriend. It might get her out of her room for more than a chance to spend my money. Let's change the subject, shall we? Chris almost pleaded. Fine, fine. Stephen turned back to the coffee maker. Go through to the lounge, Oslo knows the way. I'll be through in a minute when this is done. Upstairs, Haley was a giggling mess of nerves, excitement, and not a little arousal. It had felt so embarrassing to be so exposed like that in just her nighties, so naughty. Was he really a dragon? The dragon? She hugged herself tightly and rolled around giddily on the bed, mashing her large, overfull breasts into the covers and feeling them leak slightly, relieving some of their pressure into her super-absorbent bra cups. She even brought her hand to her nose, attempted to catch his scent where he touched her. Were all the rumors she'd heard about dragons true? Perhaps she'd have a chance to find out if her dad ended up working with him. Yes, she'd have to pester her father tonight to make sure he did. It would serve him right, too. It was at least an hour later when the conversation downstairs began wrapping up. This all sounds doable, Chris. Expensive and time-consuming, but doable. Stephen said, browsing through some of the property pamphlets Chris had brought along and rereading some of the notes he'd taken. I've done underground work before. It's certainly challenging. I'd also like to keep the project as below the radar as possible. Chris explained. Understandable, given your situation. Does that mean you'll want to help me do the work yourself rather than hire others? That had been my hope. I'll be learning some skills at the same time as building my future home that way. Excellent. Having another physically enhanced being will be vital, and I imagine your magic will be very useful as well, but you'll have to put in some hard work to learn it. Now, I don't mean to doubt you, but how are you going to pay for all this? I've got gold. We can swap that to whatever currency you want through Lady Nalakis, answered Chris. That, and you'll have a class one dragon to call and ask for favors in the future. Oslo added. Yes, something which shouldn't be underestimated agreed Stephen. Okay, I can start on this almost right away. Our first step is to find a suitable location with a layer of firm bedrock to build into. I'll go visit these properties and make a few inquiries of my own while looking into permits. Once you've decided and brought a property, I can begin designing to your specifications and we can start excavation. Don't get your hopes up for a quick finish, though. This could take anywhere up to a whole year even with both of us working at the construction. I understand, but I'm eager to get started and have a place of my own. That's the spirit. I look forward to working with you, Chris. Stephen said enthusiastically, his mind already probing out possibilities for this exciting new project. I think we'd better start heading back to the compound soon. Lillian warned, thinking that the Synod's phone call with the humans would probably be over by now. She was anxious, eager to hear what had transpired. Okay, Chris, I'll contact you through Maginette with an update in a few days. Perhaps an initial contract for my work, too. Stephen ushered them towards the door as they got up. Chris thought he saw a brief flash of movement up by the banisters of the second-story landing and smiled to himself. He'd hoped Haley might have come back downstairs after a while, but it appeared she was too shy. By the way, Stephen, there's something important going on with the Synod at the moment. Lillian added at the door. It's big, but don't necessarily believe any rumors you hear. There are good people trying to sort it out. Well, that's disconcerting. Stephen watched her with a frown on his brow. Care to elaborate? Sorry. Lillian shook her head. I think there will be an announcement soon enough. Chris said. Anyway, thanks for taking me on, Stephen. Susan and Annabelle are going to love the surprise. Goodbye. The announcement did come, but not soon enough to prevent further anxiety. Oslo had parted ways with them once they were back inside the underground network, but when Chris and Lillian tried to enter Lady Narlakis's courtroom, they were turned away. Put out, they meandered back to the hotel, speculating quietly about what exactly was going on behind those closed doors. Chris collected Annabelle, who was more than happy to go for a walk together under Lillian's watchful eye. They did a bit more exploring, taking in the sights, smells, and sounds their hidden little world had to offer. Somewhat forlorn, Chris wondered how long the tranquil, secret community would stay that way given the negotiations that were happening at that very second. However, Annabelle succeeded in distracting him from his dark mood with her short black skirt and sandals, showing oh so much creamy, smooth skin. He hugged her tight to his side as they walked, leaning down to breathe into her hair and kiss her scalp gently. What was that for? She asked, 
looking up as they walked and surprised to find such a serious look on his face. He must be really worried. Because you're beautiful, and I love you. He replied with a slight smile. Annabelle paused their progress down the footpath and quickly went up on her toes to kiss him, looking right into his blue eyes with passion. She snaked her arms around his neck and grabbed a little handful of his short hair, pulling him down to her while their lips met, gently running her tongue across his. It's going to be okay, baby. She reassured as they broke apart. I hope so. Chris murmured, nudging her to continue their walk when they got back to the hotel it was late afternoon. Susan and Michelle still weren't back. Chris felt rather disconcerted now, wondering what was taking so long and why he and Lillian hadn't been allowed to be involved. Perhaps he really had pissed the synod off yesterday. He hoped it paid off with the goodwill it bought with the humans, but he still dreaded the possibility of the negotiation falling apart. So, are you going to tell me what you did this morning? Annabelle asked, attempting to draw him out of his daydream as they sat together on one of the couches. Hmm? Oh, I went to talk to someone about building a house. Chris smiled as he saw Annabelle's eyes light up. A house? For us? Tell me. She bubbled, wriggling up against him. No, it's a surprise. Chris replied, fully expecting to receive at least a patented Annabelle pout for his response, perhaps even anger. She went for the pout, batting her eyelids up at him and thrusting her quivering bottom lip out slightly. Her beautiful hazel eyes seemed to double in size, filling with what she would have him believe was real hurt. Come on, Chris, that's not fair. Please? Lillian chuckled from an armchair, watching the girl's antics. The vampire wouldn't put it past her to bribe the dragon with sex next. All we did was meet an architect that Oslo knows and talk about what I wanted. He's going to be checking out properties over the next few days. That's all. The rest is just an idea in my head still. Um, you say that like it isn't a huge step. That's all. Yeah, right. Well, that's not strictly all he did. Lillian said, prodding at the dragon, as she was quickly growing very fond of doing. He also met a cute little buffalo heifer who was promptly besotted with him. Oh, really? Annabelle cocked an eyebrow. Jesus, Lillian, it wasn't like that. Chris defended with exasperation. Oh, yeah. Lillian continued. She's got a tight little body and a great big pair of milk-filled tits. I bet your dragon there would just love to help drain them every morning. Grew up on a dairy farm, didn't he? She shocked both Chris and Annabelle with her unusual vulgarity, but the vampire just snickered at them. Why, yes, he did. So, when shall I pack my things and move out? Annabelle had joined in, enjoying her lover's discomfort. I can't fucking win. Chris said with a sigh. All I did was shake her hand and say hi. You should have seen it, Annabelle. She got all flustered when her dad told her he was the dragon she'd been gossiping about on Maginet. It was so cute, the little tart freaked out and ran upstairs because she was half-naked. So, does she have a baby or something? Annabelle asked Lillian, wondering why the vampire had mentioned the worst lactation. No. Bovine where females tend to produce milk year-round from the onset of puberty, even when they're in their human forms. Interesting, how about it, Chris? Would you like that? Annabelle jogged, giving him a playful slap on his firm chest. And don't just think I've forgotten about this house you're building. No comment. Thankfully, Chris heard movement out in the hallway and went to let Susan and Michelle in before the two women dug him any deeper into his hole. He gave Susan a brief, warm kiss before guiding a worn-out Michelle back into the lounge to sit down. He returned shortly with a glass of water for her and waited while she drank. So, what happened? We did it. We actually got them to agree to a full revelation and hashed out the initial terms. Michelle said with a tired smile. She'd had an understandably stressful day. Several beeps echoed around the room as all their Maginet devices fired up with a new notification. Is that it? Chris asked. She just nodded before resting her head back and closing her tired eyes. Chris collected his tablet and returned to the couch, Annabelle leaning on his shoulder to look while he read aloud. By order of the Synod of Beings, due to the actions of an unknown group of conspirators, the secret has been breached irreparably. Humans in positions of power have been made aware of our existence for several months, allowing them time to dedicate resources towards assuring a full revelation and liquefaction of the secret. At this stage, revelation is the only option. As of yesterday, we are in negotiations with leading human officials to achieve peaceful terms which will be advantageous to both parties. This will require sacrifice on both sides to achieve and will no doubt rewrite the way we live our lives. I in the meantime, follow the secret strictly. 
The human governments need time in order to prepare infrastructure, for example, to set up the newly formed Bing Interaction Agency to interface between our worlds and prepare methods to manage the human population's reaction. A public breach of the secret at this stage would be devastating. Any being whose actions contribute to such an event will be met with our harshest judgment. A show of goodwill, and in preparation for the changes this revelation will require, all interaction of a supernatural or magical nature between a being and a non familiar human is hereby prohibited indefinitely. This includes, and applies especially to vampire, gargoyle, or any other form of human feeding. The familiar taking process is suspended under review and now requires synod approval. The memory alteration charm is banned from use permanently, on both humans and beings. A global detection ward is already in place to notify us of its use. I in the meantime, continue living your lives in secret. Do not panic or despair. A revelation will eventually give us far more freedom than we live with today. However, vampires and any beings whose needs cannot be met under the new conditions will be catered for by your local rulers until the revelation is achieved. A major blockage to human relations has been loss of life caused by beings and the callous views we often express in our disregard to the worth of human life, a flowover in many of our older individuals from the more savage, ruthless centuries preceding this one. We must change our mindsets to see each other as equals, perhaps not in individual powers or capabilities, but as equal inhabitants of this planet. Therefore, in the future, beings will be subject to human laws, backed up by synod sentencing. Have hope and be at peace, beings. The unknown awaits us, but we believe it can lead to a healthier, brighter existence if we work together towards that end. Updates will be sent out at least weekly and any further modifications to legislation will be broadcast forthwith. Please contact your friends and families to relay this message and contact your local authorities with any questions you may have. However, please have patience in this regard as they may not have all the answers to your questions. The revelation is still a work in progress. Lord John Guthrie Chris reread the message and looked up smiling. Michelle, this is great. I never thought the Synod would agree to this, to change our laws so quickly. Michelle grinned back at the dragon, feeling genuinely happy to have his praise. It felt good after such a nerve-wracking day. Oh, they weren't as optimistic as Lord Guthrie made them out to be. I think they're just trying to put on a good face. Nonetheless, to have them come out like this, ban vampire feedings, and force beings to treat humans with respect, it's groundbreaking. Susan said. I can't help but think there's going to be some fallout though. Not everyone is just going to take this lying down. The Synod won't tolerate any signs of rebellion at this point. Lillian explained, leaning over the back of the couch above Chris and Annabelle to read their tablet. Perhaps she was a little too close. His damnably tasty smell was thick in her nose, making her fangs itch and ache as her mouth automatically filled with thick saliva. They can't afford to appear weak or merciful on such a big issue. I expect several examples to be made. Examples? Annabelle asked with a frown. She hoped it didn't mean what Lillian made it sound like. Executions of the first vampires to break the new rules. Lillian replied bluntly. That would be my prediction anyway. The girl was so innocent and ideological. Sometimes the vampire couldn't understand what the dragon saw in her. Leaning down over Annabelle, she felt a sudden, vampiric flash of jealousy and anger. It should be her at the dragon's side. Lillian snapped out of it, withdrawing the hand which had already been sneaking to wrap around the young woman's slender throat. She was disgusted with herself, reaching to kill an innocent, friendly girl out of nothing more than her inner beast's desires. Desires she couldn't even act on because of that bitch drow's stupid blood pact. Being reminded of it yet again only increased her misery and self-loathing. The vampire had a minor eureka moment then, coming to two key revelatory conclusions. Firstly, she was well and truly dragonstruck head over heels for the masculine being before her. Despite what she might like to try and convince herself, the cursed blood pact was the only thing holding her back now. Secondly, she was going to somehow kill Rayla Nalakis and nullify their pact. Then she'd be free to sink her aching fangs into the dragon's soft neck and suck greedily on his rich blood, never bothering to taste another ever again. With any luck, the dragon would be sinking his mighty cock deep inside her sweltering womanhood at the same moment, satisfying another equally delicious ache. Are you okay, Lillian? Chris asked, looking up at the distracted vampire. Annabelle asked you if it would make vampires rebel against the synod. Oh, sorry. Lillian collected herself quickly, noticing she was highly aroused, to the point of conspicuousness. She retreated a little way. No. Well, maybe. Only a few could rebel before they get scrubbed out. 
the Vampire Council must be on board with the Synod's decision, which means anyone trying to rebel will have no backing from anyone in power. It's like they're stuck in some sort of feudal system, from the Dark Ages. Annabelle mused to herself. Chris did actually notice the enticing, honey-tinged smell of aroused vampire in the air and gave himself a secret smile. He wondered what the beautiful, buxom goddess had been thinking about. Are you going to be okay with this, Lillian? He asked. Me? Don't be silly. There's no shortage of donated blood and I'm sure I could find a willing, delicious source to have on hand. She tried not to make it too obvious she meant him. Actually, the president said that they would meet any shortfalls we have in our blood supply and agreed that consensual feeding would be legal after the revelation. Michelle added. I think that went away towards sweetening up that ancient Transylvanian lord. Lillian laughed. The oldest vampire in the world was actually a big old sweetie, usually. So, what's next, Michelle? Chris asked. Well, Lady Narlakis wants me to assist her for the next few weeks. She said the Synod is going to be meeting every day while they come up with a treaty outlining being rights and the ways you can use your powers. After that, I'll be in charge of setting up and heading the first branch of the Being Interaction Agency, the Denver branch. Wow. That's huge, Michelle. Annabelle exclaimed. Aren't you excited? That's got to be a promotion, right? Yeah, I guess. It's all a bit overwhelming. It's such a huge task to prepare for this, to think of all the ways we're going to have to manage public response. For example, the president said they're not even going to bother getting every single country on board with this, just all the biggest and easiest, relying on intimidation, shock, and being support when they finally announced the reveal. The Synod seemed to think they could disable the militaries of any countries that try to hunt down beings or start skirmishes. You're certainly going to be busy, perhaps this is your calling. I mean you managed to capture and deal with me okay. Chris couldn't help but chuckle at the recent memory, how haughty and confident Michelle had been as she'd arrested him. He wanted to see the return of that woman. Maybe. Michelle agreed, giving Chris a tentative smile. I think my calling at the moment is dinner and bed, though. How about we get some room service and watch a movie? Susan suggested. That sounds wonderful. Michelle, what about Radek? Chris had to ask. He's gone, Chris. Completely off our radar and my boss at the NSA is still missing. We can only assume he was either on board with Radek or that Radek has made him disappear. The Synod said they had their best people dedicated to finding him, but that's all they're saying. They ended up having pizza eating it on the very couches and armchairs they'd ordered it from as some sort of adventure-slash-comedy film played out on TV. Michelle initially found it infinitely bizarre that beings could behave like this, enjoyed watching human TV and movies, eating junk. Although, she guessed it kind of made sense. Beings still had to fit and blend into the human world, so why not take advantage of its comforts and entertainments? Susan and Annabelle took the opportunity to cuddle with Chris on the sofa while Michelle lazed in an armchair, as did Lillian, visible again after sunset. Michelle almost fell asleep a couple times, looking over to watch the two women pamper the young man with kisses and pets as he swapped his attention between them. They weren't even pretending to follow the movie. She thought he must be in he. Two beautiful women happily sharing his affection. Wasn't that every guy's fantasy? She had to admit, it was kinda hot. Suddenly, after a little whispered conversation, Susan got up off the couch and hurriedly dragged Chris into her bedroom. Annabelle was left to her own devices, looking a little put out. You just let that happen, with your own fiancé? Michelle asked. Annabelle straightened herself out a bit before answering, meeting the older woman's eyes. Yes. I'll have him to myself tonight when we go to bed. But it's okay for now. Oh, and I'll have him in the morning, too. He can do that. Michelle asked, disbelievingly. Her own sexual experiences indicated that sex was a one-end and affair, not necessarily providing much pleasure for herself. Lillian smirked before explaining. Dragon males are considered superlative lovers amongst beings. They have nay unlimited stamina and pheromones to drive a woman into unbelievable states of arousal. That's not to mention the magical transfer properties of their semen or the sexually addictive stimulant they can inject to induce fertility. The fact that there are only seven alive gives them almost mythical status. No way. You're kidding me. Can't you tell he's attractive, has some sort of draw which constantly pulls you towards him? Don't believe me? Why don't you ask her? Lillian pointed at the blushing young woman left alone on the couch. Well? Michelle asked when no answer was immediately forthcoming. The subject had arousal doing her inner depths. 
she couldn't help it as her imagination ran wild without confirmation or denial of the vampire's ridiculous claims. It's true, Annabelle whispered before getting louder, pride entering her voice. We took each other's virginity, but I can't imagine there could ever be anything better. He, ah, well, I'll just say it. His cum makes you orgasm as soon as it hits you, no matter where. And it's very palatable. Get out of town. Michelle whispered in shock, making Annabelle and Lillian laugh aloud at her turn of phrase and comical expression. Oh yes, Annabelle here is the envy of every unspoken for, red-blooded woman in hundreds of miles. If you had magical senses, you could see her and that little tattoo glowing with his energy after every time they go at it. Which, by the way, Annabelle, is in no way discreet with the amount of noise you two make. Annabelle blushed even more but was happy, smiling at the thought that the dragon was hers and other women envied her. Is he, oh god. Is he, you know, big? Michelle couldn't stop herself. The sex talk was sucking her deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole, emboldening her. Annabelle giggled, shaking her head. She couldn't control herself enough to give a straight answer, didn't know if she even should. Is he? Lillian asked, eager to hear the verdict now that the question was out in the open. She had her own suspicions, but as a woman of unusually tall and large stature, she had a preference for well-endowed men. Of course. Annabelle managed to blurt out before falling into hysterics. Wow. Details, woman, details. Lillian pushed, squeezing her thighs together and pushing her tempied sex into the cushion below. Uh, now wait. Annabelle laughed. What was she supposed to say, that she never quite managed to get him all the way inside her before he butted against her womb? That she struggled to wrap her lips over the flare of his cockhead? That he even got slightly bigger in his half-form? So Lillian hasn't? Michelle asked. No. Lillian answered, keeping her voice as steady as possible. But I thought, oh, you know I'd let you, right? Annabelle started nervously. She didn't know how the vampire would react, but she could see the drawn, slightly pained look on her face and wanted to relieve it. I see the way he looks at you. Lillian was rocked by Annabelle's assertion, her generosity towards such a selfish and dangerous creature. Annabelle, it's not that simple. I'm not allowed to, and if I ever did couple with him I wouldn't be able to resist drinking his blood. From what I've heard, my vampire would become addicted and I'd never settle for anything else. It's hard enough just being around him all the time. You want to though, right? Michelle prodded, missing the seriousness of Lillian's confession. What do you think? The vampire sighed. In the bedroom nearby, Susan was busy enjoying her allotted time with Chris. She'd let him undress her, slowly, exploring her breasts and teasing her neck and tummy with his wicked lips, enjoying the wonderfully sexy little nibbles with which he pampered her skin. He was currently attempting to convince her she should allow him to give her oral, rubbing his nose in her full bush and kissing her thighs as she stood with her legs closed to him. No. Susan breathed as he continued to chip away at her resolve with his sinful touches, making her insides quiver and leak slightly between her thighs. She was already drenched. And why not? Chris chuckled, muffled slightly as he tried to worm his mouth towards her core. Already his face was misted with her essence, his nose and mouth full of her womanly scent. I said I want you to fuck me. Susan gasped as he managed to snake his hot tongue deep enough between her legs to brush her clit. She pushed his head back and pulled him up by the hair until he was standing above her again. Leaning forwards, her full breast squishing delightfully into his broad chest, she wrapped her arms up around his neck and nibbled his ear playfully. I need you inside me, right now. She added in a husky whisper, falling backward onto her bed and pulling him along with a happy giggle. Her legs parted as they righted themselves after the tumble, playfully struggling against each other for a moment. Suddenly he was looking down at her so seriously, barely inches away with his satisfying weight pinning her to the bed. Hi, she whispered, reaching up to brush his cheek as they studied each other. I love you so much, mom. I know, baby. She breathed, feeling her emotions overflow. He made her so happy, falling into their new relationship so thoroughly, guiding his head down to kiss him gently, she could feel his erection laid across the heat of her mound, up through her forest and onto her navel. It felt so hot, she could have sworn it was pulsing. She needed him. Show me. Now, please, Chris. Chris felt her hand brush down his side, making him shiver as it reached between their excited bodies to grasp him. He pulled his hips up and back, giving her the room she needed to align them. Her legs were splayed high and wide. He could feel her slickness against his crown as she briefly rubbed him between her plush labia, 
Suddenly he was in position and he couldn't hold back. With only a little restraint, his hips pushed forwards and he groaned in ecstasy as his cock pierced deep into her. So soft, clingy and hot. Oh fuck. Oh yes, Chris. Yes. Susan screeched in delight as his thickness slid all the way home in one quick, long thrust. She didn't care about the twinge of pain she felt as her insides stretched to accommodate him so suddenly. She only cared that he was inside her again. Right where he belonged. He held himself still for a moment to deliver a kiss to her panting mouth before he started thrusting with mind-bogglingly pleasurable strokes, slowly out and quickly back into her core, as deep as she could stand to take him in her quivering little pussy. Angling his hips occasionally, she cried out as he kept her guessing where his girth would push and rub at next, emphasizing her pleasure. Susan keened with each thrust, so satisfyingly full with the only man she loved, feeling so complete and cherished. His hands rubbed up her flanks or down across her thighs, sending little shivers of sensation across her skin as his erection stirred a climax into existence in her molten core. He wasn't being gentle anymore. He was really giving it to her, grunting in satisfaction with each of his long thrusts. Susan felt her entire body quickly rise and tense, pleasure building behind a flimsy barrier. She gasped for breath as he pinned her to the bed and fucked her, her breasts mashing up into his chest. Chris felt her near her limit. She was so sensitive to him, and it felt so damn good to be inside her. His lips toyed across her neck and up into her damp hair, finding her tender little earlobe to play with and nibble. Come for me, Susan, just let it go. Instantly, her limbs froze as her body obeyed his low command. He thrust deep one more time and held still as she came alive. Ah. Uh, huh. Keep going, baby, please. Susan begged as the dam burst inside her and pleasure overflowed her banks. Her body bucked and shook, arms and legs locked around his torso as he began thrusting again at her request pushing through the rhythmic tightening of her slick vagina. It was almost too much. She nearly begged him to stop, but moments later she was thankful for her perseverance as another huge wave of pleasure crashed over her. All she could manage was an unintelligible, disbelieving moan in response. Chris didn't even bother trying to hold back. Fucking her through an orgasm was a doomed endeavor. She was so hot as she came, clutching him in a frantic grip with both her pussy and her limbs, locked around him to prevent his escape. His dragon roared, preparing to release a blast of energy to their lover. He felt himself expand, his abdominals tensing in that glorious moment at the brink, his eyes shut tight in pleasure, as he thrust as deep as he could. Then he released. Fuck! He growled into her shoulder, as he felt his first pulse of semen race the length of his shaft, feeling those indescribably mingled pleasures of delicious tension and exquisite release. He felt the added sensation of the magic flowing through him, setting his body alight before it all somehow flew out the tip of his cock with his seed. It was quickly followed by more powerfully jetted squirts. On cue, Susan whimpered, her orgasm renewing as his scalding, thick ejaculate first peppered then flooded her cervix. She went limp in his arms as he finished, amazed how long he continued to spurt. Each shot triggered another set of contractions from her quivering vagina, which in turn sent another bolt of pleasure across his overstimulated cockhead and down his shaft. For a moment, he thought it would never end. Holy fuck! Chris breathed against her skin as he finally finished. I, I don't think I've ever come that hard before. You're amazing, Susan. He kissed her neck but felt no response. A little worried, he pushed his weight off of her with shaky arms and sat back on his ass. Mom? Give her a moment, his dragon advised. She's just a little overloaded. Her head lolled to the side against the pillow without his support. Her eyes were closed, and her breath came heavily from her heaving, sweaty chest. Chris couldn't help but chuckle, feeling his firm penis twitch inside her overfilled depths, their essences leaking thick and white from their mated sexes. He leaned back over her, resting on his elbows so their bodies touched but he wasn't putting as much weight on her. Kissing across her cheeks and unresponsive lips, he smiled in pride. He'd fucked this gorgeous which silly dot a few moments later, she began kissing back weakly. Her eyelids fluttered, revealing beautiful, confused blue pools. However, confusion quickly melted into pure lust and love as she came into her surroundings again, feeling him and his essence deep inside her, his magic coursing her body to the point where she thought she would burst. Hi, he said, smiling cockily down at her. What are you supposed to say to that? Susan wondered as she processed the sluggish, heavy happiness flowing through her veins, making her weak and sleepy. Smug satisfaction was written all over his handsome face, and she couldn't exactly tell him not to let it go to his head. 
He'd just given her three quick-fire orgasms until she'd passed out. He should be proud of himself. She was proud of him. That was unbelievable, Chris. She said honestly as her breathing slowed. Thanks. I think it was the most intense I've ever felt. Chris lazily rolled them onto their sides, still joined by their sticky, satisfied sexes. MMMHHH, I can tell. I'm absolutely overflowing with magic. You've got to stop putting so much into me or I'll explode with pleasure and be knocked unconscious? Chris laughed, his movement teasing them both. I'm serious, you could fry me. Susan warned as she felt him begin toying gently with one of her nipples. By a surge protector. He quipped back, giving her a firm tweak. You're terrible. Susan blushed. Not going to let me forget that, are you? No, Mom, of course I'm not. I made you pass out. You don't really want me to forget though, do you? No, baby, I want frequent reminders. I love you, and that was phenomenal. I love you too. Want to go again? He asked hopefully, still firm inside her heat. Oh, fine. Susan pretended to be put out before smiling and kissing her son's lips affectionately. Just let me grab a crystal out of my purse. I brought some home from work just in case we did it tonight. Susan crawled off his erection with some effort and a lewd, squelching pop, her body sluggish and unresponsive. She felt empty as her insides readjusted to his absence while she rummaged at the edge of the bed for the small, clear, quartz crystal. When she returned he spooned behind her with his wet, swollen, penis against her ass cheeks. A as she grasped the crystal to her chest and began draining his excess energy, he slipped himself back inside her, thrusting languidly into her depths and forcing a moan from her throat. Oh my god, Chris, you don't even know what you're doing to me. She groaned, his cock filling her again, forcing pleasure into her body. The crystal pulsed purple as he turned her head and silenced her moan with his lips. I'm fucking you, Susan. He murmured into her hot, smooth skin. MRM, baby, yes, you are. Don't stop. He didn't. They made love slowly like that for what seemed like hours, either in any sort of rush. They lay unmoving for minutes at a time, just enjoying the feeling of their union while they kissed. Eventually, though, they would start moving against each other again, building their pleasure until they gently came together in a hush of whimpers and whispered, loving promises. Susan barely managed to drain what he'd given her the second time into the crystal before she was nodding off with his softening penis still inside her. Chris eventually slipped from her spent womanhood and tucked her under the blankets. Emerging into the living room somewhat sheepishly after dressing, he discovered Annabelle asleep on the couch. It was quite late already. He hoisted her slender form in his arms and took his sleepy fiancé to bed, cuddling up behind her, savoring her warmth and soft, vanilla scent. He and his dragon were at peace, content with their lot, surrounded by loving, beautiful women. The crisis with the humans was averted for the moment, and although his dragon had some reservations, Chris could see the benefits a successful revelation would bring, now that it seemed to be a real possibility. It really would lead to a much more open existence for beings if their magic didn't need to remain hidden. His happy musings were interrupted when his phone buzzed on the nightstand, the upturned screen indicating that he had an incoming call. He had half a mind to let it ring out but reached over Annabelle and answered tersely. What? Christopher? Came a feminine voice down the line. Yeah, who's this? He asked less crossly. This is Petra Godran. Sorry for ringing so late. Elizabeth said you'd be expecting my call? Chris's stomach fell away into the bowels of the earth and he exhaled deeply instead of answering. Christopher? I'm here. He replied. Yes, Elizabeth said you'd call, but I wasn't expecting it so soon. To be honest, with what's been going on with the humans, it faded to the background a little. I understand. John Guthrie filled us in on your involvement. It sounds like he was very impressed with you. Chris chuckled at that. All he'd done was run when he'd seen the opportunity and perhaps overstep his bounds with the Synod. It didn't feel very impressive in the aftermath. Thanks, I guess. What can I do for you, Petra? Well, she would never admit it, but Claire is very anxious to meet you. I guess we both are. It might be hard for you to understand but as a female dragon, we really don't have much desire to mate with other species. She's already rejected the other dragon males and gave up hope of finding a mate in her lifetime. She's been so excited since she heard that Elizabeth thought you would be a good match. I know it's sudden, but could we drive up and meet you the day after tomorrow? Petra waited with bated breath. It really wasn't only her daughter who was anxious to meet the young male. Chris pinched the bridge of his nose. I've got quite a lot on my plate at the moment, Petra. 
But heck, why the hell not? What harm could two more women do in my life? Spoken like a true male dragon. Petra mused happily. We're in San Diego, so we can get to you in the evening if we start driving really early. Okay, I'll send you a link to my address in Laramie. I think it would be better to meet there instead of at the Denver compound. Oh, is there trouble in paradise? Petra asked. Not really, I think my dragon would feel better about meeting you two on home turf, though. I've got a good feeling about you, Chris. I'm really looking forward to meeting you, Claire is practically bouncing off the walls. That's a somewhat daunting expectation to live up to. I hope I don't disappoint. I'm sure you won't, dear. Good night. Good night, Petra. Call if you need to sort out any details. I'll see you day after tomorrow. He set the cell phone down with an exasperated breath. Hussat? Annabelle mumbled sleepily. That was trouble, calling to arrange a date on behalf of her daughter. Chris couldn't help but be sarcastic about his fate, to be drowned in a sea of women. Still, what better way to go? Being silly. Annabelle scolded half-heartedly. Her other half was asleep. I know, baby, I'll tell you tomorrow. I love you, D. Love you. She murmured back as he switched off the lamp and tried to fall asleep, falling back into his aspect instead. The End This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allow members to request future stories and themes. Links are in the description. Thank you for listening.